We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's good, everybody? We got a jam-packed show of a lot of football talk. First up, we got Alan. Wild card, super wild card breakdown. Every single game. Really enjoyed this one. Has some old school vibes to it. We're really buckled down. Me and Alan go ham on breaking down all these games. You could check out some of the content that's on YouTube too. A bunch of clips from the shows last couple of days too. Podcast and show with Valerie from New York One, a news outlet here in New York. Getting some good feedback on that one that... The insight of behind-the-scenes stuff was pretty cool. We had the Monday pod that dropped as well with Alan, the year in review, if you guys haven't checked that out. The Dylan pod, straight banger all day, start from finish. Start to finish, I should say. Jesus, look at me. Look at me sounding. So go and check those out if you guys haven't already. And uh, show us some love, man, on social media. Start tagging us. Send us screenshots that you're listening to the podcast. I'll repost it. Tag me. Tag the show. Tag the guest. Right? Like, let, let's go. I really want to start pushing the show more, man. The show is dope as fuck. Coming off a monster December. I am very excited. I'm looking forward to 2021. Recorded a banger of an episode with Dr. Carlene McMillan. That's already up on the Patreon. If you want early access to that, it's up already. For everybody else that's listening to this right now, you can hear that on Wednesday. She is a mental health professional and a ad, uh, an, an activist for suicide prevention. She has a clinic that called Brooklyn Minds, and it was a great, great conversation, man. I, I'm probably one of the more prouder things that I've done, and um, you guys are going to get to learn a lot about me on that one as well. I opened up like never before, so that episode's up also, and fuck there's one more thing i needed to remember damn it oh uh the members of the patreon you know who you are those that are going to get merch if you've been a member of the franchise tag or the veterans minimum tier first of all congrats and thank you and second of all um starting next week i got all the merch packaged up i just need to go send it out so i'm taking a couple days off work to go and get all that done so be on the lookout there and last but not least, my girl Jesse, Jesse Russell. She is a co-host of an SEC podcast and pigskin and pageantry. Had her on. She's been on the show before. We did a podcast and show, I believe it was like a year and change ago, about 
growing up in the South and what college football is like. And it was dope, man. And Jesse's awesome. She's always shown love. Shouts to Matt and Wes as well, who she does this show with. And we talk about the national championship, Ohio State and Alabama. And yeah, it's at the tail end of the show. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Enjoy the weekend. A nice jam-packed monster weekend of football. And we'll catch you guys next time. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Veterans Minimum. I am your host, Nick Deus at The Lamb Show. This is where you can find me, my guest, on the other end. You're on the bandwagon, huh? King Henry season? Look, man, everyone knows I have a soft spot for the Titans. And since the Falcons are the Falcons and the Vikings lost to Trubisky and pretty much blew their chance to make the playoffs, we're riding with the Titans. Okay. All right. Let's see. Let's see, man. I'm, I'm excited for this one. I'm excited for this playoff run. For for just the whole NFL, I'm excited for this, and this is where uh, us two are gonna shine. This is our bread and butter, and we're here, man. You know, throughout the year, it kind of seemed at times as if maybe the plug is gonna get pulled on the NFL. But Alan, salute to us and to the NFL making it through 17, bro. Yeah, it it was a little trying, especially what was going on with Baltimore. I think that was the biggest concern, and then I remember that New England Denver game it got like postponed twice, but. Nevertheless, it's pulled through, even though right now, you know, salute to the Cleveland fans. I know it's been an awesome, you know, past weekend, but now you got to be hurting a little bit, seeing what's going on, you know, hope Kevin Stefanski and the whole coaching staff gets better. And then, of course, Joel Plutonio as well, you know, talking about three-time Pro Bowler, been there for seven years. He literally played, I think, in every game one day and won a game <clears> for, I think it was like 565 days. So, oh my god yeah think about that like that's what he was talking about it's like he was talking about playoffs like not something like <laughs> playoffs yeah uh, but he's talking about man, i just i forgot what it was like to win a game one in 31 yeah bro. and then now he's in the playoffs but now you just test the positive it's just like it looks like he lost out the opportunity dude i didn't know that jarvis landry that was the first game he's ever missed in his career that week 16 game against the jets against the jets yeah he's very durable <clears throat> yo you remember when he was on Hard Knocks and he had that speech? Jarvis, I, the Dolphins were on Hard Knocks? No, when he was with the Browns. Oh, was that the first year? Yeah, and it was like okay. the change the culture thing. And yeah. Man, that dude, yo. I see that. Shady yeah. was... I'm pretty sure he was on the... This was when he was with the Browns. But, man, he's a very... I've always been a Jarvis Landry okay. guy. I think he's just so... When I think of Jarvis Landry, I think 80... For eleven hundred yards, like that's just kind of like I would say less yards, but less yeah, yards. Yeah, yeah that, that you he's might a be possession right. receiver. Like I've never been crazy about him as a player, but I, I do admit he is an excellent blocker. He's someone that you know is going to give you a hundred percent. Like you, he never quits on plays. Like Jarvis Landry brings that. Like I compare him kind of to like Robert Woods. Oh my! I swear on everything the show stands for. <laughs> that was going to be the name I was going to mention. Right. And cuz both of them I would say those two and Debo Samuel are the most when it comes to, you know, doing end arounds and the inside sweeps. Like they're just those versatile weapons. 
when it comes to you know taking carries. Bro, Jarvis was like the best quarterback on the Browns. Oh, like, you also got May Thorne, man. Him and most to new. Like <laughs> right, so Jarvis right, right. Landry, yeah. Like even though I I think he kind of overrates himself as a receiver, which looked totally understandable. Like in the NFL, you you know you're always gonna portray yourself to be the best. But I I think. The rapport he struck up with Baker Mayfield, I think it's like they, you could tell they have a really tight relationship, and I think that's kind of helped elevate them. For sure, man, it's it's exciting, you know. It's uh, just just for all these teams. So what we're gonna do now is we're gonna break down the wild card weekend. Alan, this is the first time ever that there's gonna be six games on this weekend. Is that too much? I think it's. When it comes to playoffs, I like seeing the best of the best. Like, I was not in favor of bringing extra teams. I do think it's exciting that we're getting three games on Saturday and Sunday. But I'm someone that I love seeing, like, real excellence be rewarded for the playoffs. I only see mediocrity. Mm. That's that's the whole thing. Like, the fact that Chicago made it, it still doesn't sit right with me. But I'll, I'll give AFC its due. Unbelievable. Like, what they've done this year to AFC. Real resurgent year. Because for the last, what? Three years, you would say, AFC's kind of been downturn. Like, think about it. if this was last year, Mason Rudolph be playing in a playoff game, which Pittsburgh, even though amazing defense last year, that offense was putrid. But uh, I'm coming around to it. It's just, uh, I don't know. I'm a little old school. Like, I don't want things, be, I don't want good things to be touched. That's why I'm still a little conflicted. But I'll admit, the AFC, we got some great matchups. Well, that's the thing. You beat me to it that the AFC, they did it right. Mm-hmm. Every team that made the playoffs, <clears throat> I think you could say are the seven best teams from the AFC. Yes. Year. As much as I love Miami, they're clearly flawed. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Especially offensively. Yeah. Defensively, they were a tremendous. Dude, yeah. uh, Xavier and Howard, 10 interceptions, first guy since Cromartie. Man. I what mean, a resurgence for him because kind of got forgotten a little bit in Miami. And then they also bring in Byron Jones. and He, he was the only one that stayed when you think about when they were doing the whole fire sale. And he wanted to leave. I remember after that game against Baltimore last year, he wanted out. But they're like, no. We I'm sure he you. was one of the corners that me and you were fantasy booking for him to go to the Eagles and Chiefs. Probably, yeah. Had, like, if it wasn't Jalen Ramsey, it was him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Marcus, he, yeah. no, Peters had went. Because I think once Minka got traded... <laughs> It's like, man, I see Minka Fitzpatrick go. When's it going to be my time? That Kenyon Drake went. It's like, damn, I got to go. But yeah. they really valued him, and he got reward. Yeah, man. So let's just, I'm just going to run through the seeding in the AFC and the NFC. So we got Chiefs number one. They're on the bye week. Remember, only one team has the bye week Bills, 13 and three. Steelers, 12 and four. Titans, the four seed, 11 and five. Then you got three 11 and five playoff teams Baltimore, the five seed. Browns, the sixth seed. Colts as the seventh seed. Like we said, got it right in the AFC. Yeah. Now, on the NFC. Oh, boy. The NFC is very suspect. It's I mean, t- it's top heavy. It's very top heavy. But if you think about it, bro, like. You have four legit contenders. Yeah, but I think. <clears throat> I disagree with you. I think there's two legit contenders in the NFC. First two seeds, or you're putting Seattle over New Orleans? Man, Green Bay and Tampa Bay. Uh, okay, I got I got four, and I include Tampa Bay, Seattle, and New Orleans. So we got the Packers, yeah. the bye seed, the bye week, home field advantage, and the one seed. We got the Saints, Seahawks, twelve and four division champs. We got the seven and nine NFC East representative. <laughs> I'm clapping because seven and nine. That's that's brutal. Second time Roman Vera's gone into the playoffs as yeah, the seven, eight, and one with uh, Carolina. Carolina, yeah, jeez, and they won the game because they played like Ryan Lindley in the Cardinals. They did. They did. Oh my goodness, uh, Tampa <laughs> Bay. Now he's got to play Tom Brady. Yeah, 
Tampa Bay and Chase Young already fired <laughs> off that thing. You heard him? He's like, yo, I want Tom Brady. Uh, well, he, he's going to learn. He's going to learn. He's going to learn. So Tampa Bay has a five seed, 11 and five. We got the Rams, 10 and six. We got the Bears, eight and eight. And this is why I'm saying very suspect, right? <clears throat> I think you can make a case, Allen, that every single one of these NFC teams are significantly flawed, in my opinion, outside of Green Bay and Tampa Bay. If you look at Chicago, I don't know about <clears throat> Seattle being significantly flawed. Like, okay, they got some issues, but significantly flawed? Dude, what's their strength right now? Oh, they still got star talent. Like, they, they still got explosive playmakers. Come on, lock it. I know they're not firing all cylinders right now, but they still have serious threats. And the defense is coming around. And, like, the way they're playing right now, I don't think there's a better linebacker duo than um, Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright. That, I watched the whole Rams-Seahawks game. That linebacker group include Jordan Brooks in that as well, the first-round pick who a lot of people are questioning. Their linebackers are getting after right now, and Jamal Adams is playing damn well. So they got things going in Seattle. I know they've been stumbling a little bit, but look, MC West is the most complete division. Those games are going to be battles, so I can understand why they haven't been firing all cylinders. Okay, that's fair. You swung me a little yeah. bit. I just, I just think don't that- think they have significant <clears throat> flaws. I'm not saying they're loaded, but... I don't see them like I can't like with New Orleans you could clearly see okay Breeze can't push the ball downfield that's a major issue I don't see something with Seattle where it's like it's oh man this is something that could really hold them back because I think Dunlap's been a huge addition to them. yeah Dunlap yeah. and you're right I, you need to factor in that Seattle didn't have Dunlap and mm-hmm. Jamal Adams for a, a healthy chunk of the season right. defensively and it's changed it for them so <clears throat> with the Saints right and and we're gonna do the whole game by game but this mm-hmm. is just an outlook of the whole playoffs like the Saints man. We don't even know if Kamara is going to be able to play on Sunday because he tested for COVID. And it was funny that the NFL, if the game was scheduled for them to play on Saturday, he wasn't going to be able to play. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the sports conspiracy guys are saying, how well, the NFL made the Saints play on Sunday. This way they could have Kamara because chances are they're not going to have Michael Thomas, right? I think Thomas is on. I know he's been on IR, but I think we'll see because we're recording this Tuesday night, like the practice report mm. tomorrow. But like he, he's on short-term IR. Same goes for Traycon Smith as well. So, so they're eligible to yeah. come back. Yeah. Well, that's going to be big, man. Mm-hmm. That's going to be big. Uh, Thomas Kamara out there. And then Washington, we know we know their flaws. Look, it's a great story. Alex Smith, I think the Comeback Player of the Year award should be named the Alex Smith Award. Just the name of that trophy. It just should be that. Um, <clears throat> but they have their own flaws. Tampa Bay... They're starting to come around. Um, they have some COVID concerns, though. They do. They do have some COVID Shaquille concerns. Barrett, Devin White, these are big time. <clears throat> yeah, yeah two, probably their two best players yeah. on defense. Levante David, and then I would say them. Levante David's. Yeah. Well, that's too. probably yeah. the best linebacking core, one-two punch, too. Oh, yeah. You got it. Those, those two guys are. They can move. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and, then, and then you look at, like, the Rams, right? No Jared Goff. Uh, Cooper Cup is Cooper Cup. Actually, I heard it's supposed to him and Brockers are supposed to be back. Yeah, yeah. So like, you're not gonna have your quarterback going into right. that game where you're gonna rematch against Seattle, right. and then you got the Bears. So <laughs> you're eight and eight, and that's what I mean like that. Like, look, yeah. Trubisky, whatever. Congrats. If you want to take a victory lap on that, just remember that if he does well in the playoffs, you're gonna sign him to a big contract, and then you're gonna have to live with that. Anytime the name Trubisky comes out, the the, the stain on your face. Just the anger that you speak with, like just the, the sheer disgust on your face. You have Trubisky's no bitch. idea what I had to listen to for two Are years. Are Bear fans really annoying? Like I don't Bro, know. Bro, I had favorite. Tim chewing my ear All out right, for well, two years. That doesn't count. I'm talking about actual Pat Mahomes. This fuck. 
I couldn't. It was too much. It was like, oh my I god. I thought you had like legit bear fan. Like I, I, I don't know too much about bear fan. No, like, it, like it. Pete, our buddy Pete. He's a bear fan. Oh, but, Pete's but the like, man, though. But, he, but he, yeah, he don't even. He's like, yo. They, he's like, uh, anytime they win, he's shocked. He just he he hates everything about them. Yeah. But no, nah, like I have like there's there's a couple of Bears fans that I know that troll troll me and one of the kids uh, KB in the Discord. But besides that, like it's just man, you're trolling yourself, man. <laughs> yeah, it's just too much. It's just too much, dude. Oh man. Anything else you want to add to the uh, overall? No, we got six matches. We got to get going. Let's get going. Okay, yeah. so we're going to go in order from the first game to the last game. So, the Bills of Buffalo <laughs> against the Colts. What a name. Bills of Buffalo. Yeah. They will have fans. Yeah. Uh, a certain governor that not many people like these days uh, approved of this. Well, you know, like... Uh, you can have 7,000 people at a stadium, but God forbid you want to go get pizza with uh, three friends. It's you're gonna. It's the world we live in. Yeah. Well, anyway, let's not get too Yeah, we could, we could take like eight shots right now. Yeah, boy. yeah, yeah. Let's not. Let's not. Okay. So, but, but I do think we should, should we know, though, that they will have fans, though. I think Ed Buffalo's been waiting years for this. So I don't know how rowdy they could get, but they're going to do everything possible to get rowdy. Yo, listen. Knowing Bills fans. It's gonna sound like it's a packed out crowd. Someone's getting power bombed. They're gonna go to work. They're gonna, they're gonna get fought. The the stadium's gonna get fined. People are not gonna wear masks. They've been waiting three decades or something. They're gonna shit. try and name every kid Phil Rivers has. Oh my god, they're gonna be going ham. So, dude, what do you? How do you feel about Buffalo? Because I want to ask you this: a lot of Bills loving, deserve deserves so. They are one hail mary away from a ten game winning streak. Man. Dude, crazy how that's a kind of play, bro, that derails your season if you're on the receiving end of that. It's so demoralizing. Hell yeah, bro. Yeah. You just had the game at hand on the road yeah. and a tough, hard battle against a team that you were going back and forth with. And you kind of were both in a similar situation. Right. And then to have that and you just come out guns blazing, Josh Allen just slinging cock all over the field, going off. Yeah, no, that one kind of. I'm fired up for this episode. <laughs> okay. We're getting wild. So. He's playing like an MVP, man. I think he's going to be a top five MVP candidate. He has to be this year, in Probably my opinion. Top three. Top three, yeah. I wouldn't argue against that. And then you got the Colts coming in. Did you know Jonathan Taylor finished third in the league in rushing? He's been going off these past three weeks. But, bro, think about him this year. Halfway through the year, they were calling him a bust. And They're rotating a little Naheem bit. Naheem Hines yeah. and Wilkes. Mm -hmm. uh, Wilkins is, is in there in the backfield. And you're just like, what the hell, man? They spent a high draft pick on this dude. And he can't, And then all of a sudden just banging out 140-yard games left and right and taking down fantasy leagues and millie makers. Yeah, he, man, that movie pun, Joe Schobert in that Coach Jaguars game. I, oh, I, I know he's a powerhouse. I didn't know he was shifty like that. So, yeah, he's a problem, Jonathan Taylor. But I, to me, this is a bit of a mismatch. Like, I think just Philip Rivers going to that environment, I worry about Philip Rivers' arm. Like, I, I don't think the past few weeks he's been, like, you just look at some of his downfield throws, like, <laughs> those deep balls are starting to die out. And the way the Bills are just firing all cylinders right now, like, like shout out to my man Harry Lyles. He covers college football for ESPN. He's comparing what the Bills are doing right now to the 2016 Falcons. And I see some similarities just of how prolific they've been offensively, how they're just it seems like they're just creating chunk plays whenever they want like that's what the 2016 falcons were now i know josh allen much different quarterback from matt ryan and you know these playmakers are a little bit different but i'm just talking about the actual ex execution and just when these teams got hot because when the falcons 2016 got hot like they finished the year winning four in a row and they were just averaging close to 40 points a game and i feel like the bills are clo <clears throat> averaging close to 40 points a game right now i never asked you this 
At what point did you think the Falcons can make the Super Bowl back then? <clears throat> Probably when they beat Seattle. Because I was really worried. I didn't, I thought if they played Dallas, that Dallas team, I thought they would lose just because of Dallas' running game. I thought that Dallas could control the clock and impose their will with the offensive line. So I probably didn't start bleeding until they beat Seattle in the playoffs. Hmm. Just because I was so worried about it. Because Lions defense <clears throat> was not good that year. It was just their offense was producing at a historical rate. That's interesting because I remember when the Giants were in the Super Bowl for 2011 and they beat Green Bay. I remember saying if the Niners could beat the Saints, I'm going to the Super Bowl. Well, Niners won the day before. <clears throat> Right. Yeah. I'm saying, though, like... Also, oh, going into that game, you're thinking... Yeah, like, going into that weekend. I'm like, yo, yeah. we can't go to the Superdome. No, 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 We're going to get... That year, they beat yeah, them the by... Yeah, Monday night. They beat them by, like... It was it was, it was illegal. Yeah. <laughs> Victor Cruz had, like, almost 200 yards receiving. But Damn, a lot of them, like, 180 of them were when it was, like, 33 nothing. It was crazy. Yeah. But I just remember saying... So, I, I I don't think I've ever asked you that, but... No, I, I was... I'm <clears throat> someone that doesn't get over... But, like, when you destroy Seattle, and that was, like, the end of the Legion of Boomer, it's mm. like, okay, this is for real, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Uh, so, yeah. so, the similarities that I would I would see is Josh Allen, Matt Ryan that year, really spreading the ball out to mm. many, many different guys. Mm. So, is that what you mean when you say that? I No, I just think of how dominant the offense has looked. Uh-huh. And how, it's again, they're just producing these 34 yards plays and you're seeing different i guess you could say different playmakers emerge like you see with buffalo isaiah mckenzie and gabriel davis you maybe compare it to audrick robinson and taylor gabriel you know i'm not sure like buffalo doesn't really have a mohammed sanu but then again the falcons down with john brown and or maybe cole beasley okay there's he's much shorter than mohammed sanu but they could be like the slot receivers but the fact that they're getting john brown back in who looked really he roasted byron jones coming straight off the ir like he put a double move on, man. Byron Jones doesn't get beat like that. And, yo, let's so not forget, last year yeah. when they got John Brown, John Brown and Josh Allen had some monster games right. together. And he's There's down to chemistry. number two. Yeah. So I just think they have so many weapons, and we know the Colts are known for playing heavy zone. It's it's just, man, you you figure with their system with Brian Dayball and just what Josh Cole Allen. Cole Beasley might have 19 catches this weekend. I think Diggs might. Diggs <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I yeah, just think there's right. going to be a lot of openings there. And even though I think the Colts <clears> have a decent – pass rush and obviously you have guys like Kenny Moore and Darius Leonard like they have they have players back there I just think the way they play and just I don't know like who's stopping the Bills right now from doing what they want like that offense other than Kansas City I think it's the most terrifying unit in the league right now yeah uh, it's it's hard to it's hard to disagree with that it's um you're right. I got some. Uh, I got a nice little tidbit here from uh, shout star guys from Full Slate Pod, the betting pod. I've had uh, Cody on here a couple of times. Philip Rivers one in five in games where the temperature is freezing or colder at kickoff. Weather for Saturday twenty eight degrees. He's zero and three in the playoffs. Dome team coming out. Yeah. I know the Colts like to run the ball. That's how they, that's the only way they could win. That's the only way they could win. Sort of do that. Uh, the only way they could win is if they do something very similar to what they did when Rivers was on the Chargers and they played in Baltimore. Remember that ball control mm-hmm. sort of grinded out. I know they got some turnovers to go their way too, which that's the one thing you can't. But that's what you got to do. Look <clears throat> what Tennessee did against Baltimore. Right, right, right. They had the one interception and then they stopped them twice on fourth and short. Right. And they just controlled the ball. And with Jonathan Taylor, he's your bell cow. Yeah. So you got to do it. Maybe Josh Allen gets careless, turns it over once or twice and capitalize on it. You but know, I've been thinking about that because everyone, 
Have you heard of FFPC, the Fantasy Football Playoff Challenge? Not. So it's a it's a contest that FFPC is like a very professional fantasy league. It's mm-hmm. very high stakes, big money prizes. It's a combination of year long with DFS together. <clears throat> so they do this playoff challenge that I'm in with one of my buddies. We're we're splitting an entry, and you basically you, there's 12 roster spots, Alan, and there's 14 playoff teams, and you have to pick. 12 of the teams, right? You pick one player from 12 of the teams, and you can only take one player per team. And obviously, two teams you're not going to pick from, right? And we're kind of pulling teeth on Josh Allen. Like, I want to go Allen. He wants to go Diggs. And the reason why I think people are hesitant still to really crown the, the Bills, even though people are saying, yo, it's them and the Chiefs, and I get it, I don't think it's fair to hold the Josh Allen being careless stuff from his past to this year because he didn't have digs. And I think just having digs out there with this offense, it's just different when you got an alpha out there, bro. No, he's alpha. I'm just saying sometimes he's too aggressive for his own good. Like, sure, does yeah. he hold the ball on? Yeah, that's it's, it's the gift and the right. curse, right? And the Colts are one of the better teams at forced turns. You look at guys like Leonard and Kenny Moore and... um trying to think what was his name it's like a long name is it yasin who, who am i thinking of on the colts i'm like his name rock yasin rock yasin yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like the db yeah they, like they're one of the teams that they will punch the ball out and yeah and you have someone that could be a game record in buckner i'm not uh, you know how much i love the force right, right right yeah, yeah so and justin houston could make some time play so i'm just saying like josh allen as great as he's been playing i think this is one matchup where now, Colts defense, even though they're kind of maybe slightly above average, they still have players that can force turnovers. So that's why, you know, I'm not trying. Look, Josh Allen's completely proved himself. He's been phenomenal. It's just the way sometimes he relies on his arm, it could get him into trouble because some, you can't make every throw in the world. So that's the one thing I'd be maybe slightly concerned about. But no, I think the Bills are heavy favorites in this. I'm just curious about how their defense fares because I think their defense has been kind of average this year. I really want to see them get after Phil Rivers. I want to see them force a couple turnovers because, you know, if they're as good as we think they are and they're ready to challenge Kansas City, they got to make sure their defense is at least somewhat capable of containing, you know, the likes of Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, you know, Buffalo, they should. You got expectations now, man. You're not you're not surprising anyone. Now you're, people are betting you. People are picking you to represent the AFC. Yeah, I think that Pittsburgh game was a big statement <clears throat> mm-hmm. Sunday night. And then, and then just destroying New England, destroying Miami. That's the yeah. thing, bro. Like, I love what Buffalo's been doing. Yeah. Beat the piss out of people. Offensively, too. Like, yeah, dude. like, yeah, bro. You're playing a slapdick team yeah. that has nothing to play for, and you have something to play for. Like, yeah, you're supposed to beat them by 30. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how it should be. Right. You know? So, I mean, I'm going with Buffalo, and I, I, I think rather convincingly. Yeah, too. I think they're going to win very defensively. Yeah. yeah. If if they jump out to a lead and you need Rivers to throw from behind, mm-hmm. I, I, to give some hope for Colts fans, I'm curious because they're one of the best coach teams in the league. I want to see what Frank Reich could put together because I don't think the Colts are going to go down completely. I just think the Bills have way too much firepower. It's going to have to take like a real ball control style game plan, and you're going to have to force a few turnovers to you know for a chance to pop the upset. But I just don't think the Colts have enough star power. Dude, let's not forget what they did last year in Kansas City. With right, no, that game, yeah, with no um. Was it Jacoby Brissett? Jacoby Brissett was a starter. Yeah. So yeah. wait, was it? Was no, it was last year. It was last so year. So Luck was retired by then. Yeah. yeah but um, yeah, yeah. Oh, Mahomes had just come back, I think. That's yeah, what it was. Yeah. And they were like 
13 point underdogs on Sunday Night Football and they won outright. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're right. That's a good point, man. For Frank Wright is definitely a guy who is uh, a legit coach. Um, okay. The Saturday afternoon game. Best game of the day. Yeah, you think so? Absolutely. I think people sleep on the Rams. With no golf, though? With that defense, they're not going to go down. <clears throat> it's going to be competitive. Like I think the Rams have the best defense league. I think they've surpassed Pittsburgh. Yeah, I get that, but like... No, they're gonna, it's going to be competitive, I'm saying. That's what I think. Like, they're going to give Seattle problems. There's no way this is going to be a blowout. I just think that Rams defense is too good at this point. Or unless they just, unless it's like multiple defensive to, uh, turnovers. Or, you know, Rams are very suspect on special teams. I think they lead the league in, like, most fumbles by their kickoff and punt returners. But dude, this defense is just, right now, they are just tearing up teams all across the board. And the way, and the way Seattle struggled a bit, you know, I just don't think the Rams are going to go down easily. That, I think that's that's like my, my verdict. Yeah, I, I hear I hear your point. I, I just disagree. I think this game is because it's, it's, my, of, it's my second favorite game of the week. Wow, I love this matchup. Holy shit! I just really rate the Rams defense. Like yeah, they have two right? two of the best. Five, no, they have two of the five most valuable defense players in the league. Easily, without question. And you have one of them that has proven that can lock down DJ DK Metcalf, which is huge. You're taking a huge piece from you know opposing offense. And I don't know, like, Brand Staley is the reason why this guy's getting already interview requests. Like, they're a really well-coached team. I just think not having your quarterback is just... Oh, it's limitation, but w- name me a better play caller besides me, Andy Reid or Sean Payton, where if you have to play a backup quarterback, who's going to put you in a better position? Or right, maybe Kyle Shanahan as well. But, like, Sean McVay is going to... You saw against Arizona, he put Wofford in positions where, okay... We're not asking too much from him. Just don't turn the ball over, and we'll try to make it work through you know, bootlegs and a couple of read options. And it, it wasn't pretty, but it was functional enough. Look, again, that's a, that's a very compelling yeah. point. He's in a situation where he's going to be protected by the system, and they're not going to put him in spots where he can't succeed, or they're not going to put him in spots that's going to hinder them offensively. Right. Might be getting Whitworth back. <clears throat> that's going to be big, yeah. yeah. It'd be nice if we knew what Cam Akers was going to do, if he was going to be healthy. I think if they could have him, that could be something to sort of lessen that load. Well, he played. It just I don't think he's anywhere. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yet. Like, yeah, he, High ankle sprain. Yeah, uh, yeah, bro. Like I watched Saquon Barkley last year. He he had 1,000 yards, and I thought it was so impressive that he had 1,000 yards because he had a bum ankle the whole mm-hmm. year, and it's like he was never really healthy. So that's just going to be something. What I that That's exactly what I mean, that yeah. it's going to hinder him, and it's not going to be him at 100%. But... <clears throat> I love to gamble. Surprise. I can't see this game being close with the quarterback matchup. I'll see. I just think like Wilson at home against Wolford. I, I just they, I just think it's a huge disadvantage. They, they got terrible quarterback play the last time these teams played. Golf was horrendous and they were competitive the whole game. Like, golf was legitimate liability. You saw that picky through, and they just couldn't click. But, you know, if they get Cooper Cup back, Brockers back, you know, they're getting some big names back. I think they could at least match. Agree to disagree. Right. I'm intrigued by this game. I just want to see the offensive – you know, I want to see if Seattle's offense could produce a couple of big explosive plays because the past few weeks you haven't seen the – what we saw in September, October, like Russ isn't hitting those deep throws. I think Russ, I think they show on PFF, he's like the 19th grade QB since November. 
So he struggled. Well, the last, the last, they started off six and one, yeah. and then you know they they finished six and two, uh, six and three, excuse me, and it's it just wasn't the same, you know. Mm-hmm. Like Russ, I know my buddy Dominic had him in fantasy, and he was like, "Oh my god, this guy again!" Was just like dud yeah. dud, and he's crying. And I don't moaning. think him and Locke have been on the same page. Well, Locke we, we got always, we always talk, okay, but we always talk about how those two are always in sync. Yeah, and it just hasn't been quite the same. If I'm the Packers, I'm hoping that you're right and that this game is going to be competitive and that the Rams could win this game because then the Rams would probably play. Unless you have the Bears beating the the Saints, which we'll get to in a little bit, the Packers will probably like that. You couldn't dream up a better scenario right. for them. Knock off one. The yeah, because, because if I'm the Packers, the last thing I want, this is why I'm a professional, bro. You ready for this, Alan? Mm-hmm. The last thing I want is to play Tampa Bay in that second round. Because that's projecting the playoffs. That's what I see. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay is a eight-point favorite against the Washington football team. Saturday night football. It's This is the, I think, eight of the last ten Tom Brady opening playoff games that he's played has been this Saturday night spot. Man, you just brushed aside Seattle. I was really getting into talking about the game, but you have zero <laughs> Dude, I am so sorry, but I have. I'm no- picking Seattle. Just, to, just to clarify, I am picking Seattle. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm not. I'm, but I'm just saying, I think this is gonna be a tightly contested game. Yeah, well, uh, I, I, I don't agree. I'll, I'll, if I, I eat my words, but I'll tell you. Okay, so what, what, what? Give me a score pre- uh, pre- prediction. I'll go 2013. 20 to 13. Yeah, bro, like 30 to seven. You really think that? So you, you're. Thinking like they're going to turn it over three or four times. The Rams I'm, defense I'm, is not allowing 30 points on zone. No, they're not. Uh, but I'm expecting like a turnover okay. and then short field. And then Russ just gets a touchdown. It's 7 nothing, And then right. a three and out. Then another touchdown. And then before you know it, it's 14 nothing. And you, you they got to. All right. You know what's one thing I could see? Just off the strong side unblocked. Joel Adams just blitzing and doing what he did to Daniel Jones. Just that, ripping the ball. Yo. <laughs> if he does that, you heard it here first. Yo. Yes. Yes. Okay, can we go back to my tremendous segue? All right, go on. All right, cool, cool. So Tampa Bay, they're playing Washington. Eight of the last ten times that Brady has played that first game, whether it was in the divisional round or the wildcard round, it's that Saturday night window, Mm -hmm. and they have them on there, NBC. Do we spend too much time on this game or what? You're hyped. I like Tampa a lot. I think they're a legitimate kind of But you seem you're really really excited about Tampa. I'm, I'm starting to talk myself into Tampa Bay. Understandably so. I think they have top five roster in the league. I can't believe that I'm going to say this, but I think he reminded people just how great he was. I think AB is going to be a problem in these playoffs. They're going to need him to be because look, <clears throat> Mike Evans, he's probably one of the toughest players in the league right now. He plays through so much pain. I can't see Mike Evans being more than a decoy. He might play, but that injury was pretty significant. Oh, like, I, I thought I, he I was going to be yeah. out. I thought he was going to be out for all the next year too. Yeah, like, like it, that's dude. That's the worst part about getting hurt at this mm-hmm. time of the year. It's not only are your playoffs done, it's yeah. like you might have to miss all the next year, and too. The, just the way extended, too. So he might play, but he's going to be a decoy. And that's why you, know, you mentioned Antonio Brown. It's not just you think. It's like you, they hope. Like at this point, Antonio Brown's not going to be a guy that gets five, six targets. They might need Antonio Brown. Double to digit. Target. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So the way I see this playing out is... Washington's defensive line is going to have to do what the Giants used to do in the back in the day with the four-man pressure and 
be able to rush Brady and knock him off his spot, as they say, and all the other cliche shit about him in the pocket. <laughs> but, <clears throat> dude, he gets rid of the ball quickly, and he has a lot of guys that he can get the ball to quickly. And I think if that, if those four guys, all those first-round picks, show up and Chase Young continues to flat out just be a baller, like Worfs against uh, Chase Young is going to be an interesting matchup too. They usually put sweat on that side. If anything, Chase Young will be going against Donovan Smith, who's the one big liability. So Chase Young, if there's a matchup, Washington fans can hope for it. Good point. That's the one. Because you notice like when Chase Young was getting a lot of pressure, it was against the left tackles. Mm. But they, they rotate a little bit. But Primarily but, he is on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But as much as I like that Washington pass rush, I think the Bucks have like a top five O-line. You look at Wirfs, uh, Ali Marpet's been a stud for years. Ryan Jensen, probably the best center in the league. Like, they have three legitimate studs on the offensive line. So I would be concerned if I was Washington. Even though you invested all these first-round picks, and you should, and you should be un, you know, understandably should be confident in them. It's like, okay, we want to see what they could do against the best. I'm just not sure if they could deliver because right now, like, you haven't seen Brady get harassed too much this year unless, say, like Marpet missed a couple of games. Other than that, though, he's Brady's been pretty much kept relatively clean, and that Washington secondary is pretty suspect. And I think we all know, you know, how talented the skill position players are on Tampa Bay. Even if Mike Evans is only a decoy, you think JPP is gonna be fired up to stick it to Washington for the Giants? Come yeah, on, sure, bro. why seven, not? Seven years he's been with us. Uh, man. To be fair, J- JPP hasn't been the playoffs in a long time, and yeah. you know, you should probably talk about that. Guys like Levante David and Mike Evans. They've been waiting a long, yeah, those, long time for Yeah, those this. lifers that have been on yeah. Tampa Bay this whole time. It's... I feel bad Gerald McCoy's not there because he worked a lot for that too. But, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're talking about David and Evans. These are like two like the cornerstones of the franchise. They had to put up with so much in Tampa Bay. And now they're finally here. And, you know, it's unfortunate Evans, who knows what his status is. But, you know, a guy like Levante David plays a position that's not really popular anymore. You got to be a real stud to get, like, recognition as a three-down linebacker. You got to be like a Keekley or a Bobby Wagner to get that true recognition. But, you know, I do hope Levante David gets it because he's been a baller for years. But I don't know when it comes to this matchup. I just think it's the most lopsided one on paper. It's hard to get really buzzed for it. I do think Washington presents more problems compared to the Giants just because with that front and I do think Washington you know if you want to compare both teams they have the better running back they have the better number one receiver and you're talking about the Giants and Washington right yeah now? like I you take Gibson <clears throat> over you know Saquon's the healthy right guy. no yeah absolutely. And, you, and you take no McLaurin over their receivers yeah, 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 yeah. so uh you know, I do think McLaurin could cause I take Logan Thomas over Evan Ingram right now oh, too man I love it I still love it <laughs> Logan Thomas, though, can we give him a surprise? That catch. That's Dude, the only highlight from that game on Sunday. What about being a practice squad quarterback and being yeah. a very I think did you do you play with tight ends in your league? Yeah. Fantasy? Yeah. Yeah, you're still immature, that's why. But like no, well, it's a standard <laughs> protocol. No, bro. Respect no tight, tight ends. ends, man. I respect <laughs> tight ends. Was he a starter in 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 your league like, by, by like late October? Because dude, tight end position, I think it was as dire as it gets this year. Yeah, no kidding. That's why you play with no tight ends. <laughs> Look, it's the challenge. You gotta, you gotta embrace the challenge. Either that or you draft uh, Kelsey. You or draft Kelsey and or, Waller, and you just kill, don't, you know, don't worry about everything yeah. else. Now I hear you, but like yo, Logan Thomas, dude, from being a practice squad quarterback and a college quarterback to being a very capable yeah. tight end, like, yeah, absolutely hats off. To and J D. McKissick as well. He started out in the Falcons practice squad as a receiver, and now he's like a really dangerous third down running back. What? Uh, how do you see this game going, Tampa Bay? I think Tampa Bay will have it wrapped up by the third quarter. I'm just curious about what Ron Rivera is going to do because you're hearing rumblings that they're going to rotate between Smith and Heineke, which. I don't know if Alex Smith should be playing right now because one of the things that made Alex Smith 
a functional quarterback, something that made him stand out from others is his movement. And yeah, he can't man. move right now. Can't move, yeah. And you're telling me he's going against that Tampa pass rush? Even if Barrettson's played, they still have the likes of Sue, JPP, and you know Tabo is going to bring that blitz. So this match is just really lopsided. I, I like to see I like to see McLaurin because I think McLaurin could do some things against those corners because there's one uh, major flaw with Tampa Bay is their corners. You know, and they do tend to play eight, ten yards off. So I think McLaurin and maybe McKissick have a, some productive games. But Tampa Bay just—it's kind of like the Buffalo indie game. Just Tampa Bay is so much firepower, and I'm intrigued because Godwin's now starting to get in the groove. I think Godwin could have a huge game. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm thinking like forty-two to seventeen. Right. I'm seeing a lot of blowouts in this 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 Saturday. I think is going to be blowout central. All right. I think all three games are going to be just. I got hope for the four forty-one. Sunday. Opening game, two 11-5 teams, a rematch from both earlier this year and a playoff game last year. Ravens going to Nashville to play the Titans. Game of the weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's the most it's the most fascinating matchup, and I think it, it features the most explosive offenses. I know the story between Cleveland and Pittsburgh is cool, but I think these are two teams that are playing extremely well right now at least offensively you know we could talk about the Titans defense but I think these two teams you know they're capable of 40 points dude I uh didn't realize until right now because I've had the rushing leader stats in front of me because we mentioned Jonathan Taylor before yo not only did Derrick Henry have 2,000 yards do you know how further ahead he is from second place <laughs> I think by 500. Yeah. The, the craziest stat, they said if he missed the first eight games a year, he still would have came in fourth. <sighs> Dude. He is ferocious. Derrick Henry had 2,027 yards rushing. Dalvin Cook second, 1,557. Yeah. And to be fair, Dalvin Cook missed two games, but still, like that's... And then Jonathan Taylor is third with 11... Lamar got to 1,000. Back to back years, bro. Yeah, man. How do you, how do we feel about Lamar going into this playoff? Because I think is it fair to say that there's less pressure on him going into this playoff run because maybe expectations for Baltimore aren't that high like they were last year? And I think they're falling on their radar a little bit. Now, granted, they've had a pretty easy slate of games the past month or so. That's why I think they've picked up some momentum. By the way, when that's the case for Baltimore, mm-hmm. that's historically when they're just like in the AFC title game out of I like those Flacco years where they're like they're this fifth seed or the right. sixth seed and you know they're playing mm. in Pittsburgh in the opening week or some mm. shit like that. And then all of a sudden they go into New England and beat them. And then yeah. so this is the kind of style that Ravens and Ravens fans kind of hope for where there's no expectation. It's still a fantastic roster. Like no one's denying the roster talent they have. I think it's just whether it was Lamar issues, and then you know, I think they had a couple key defensive players get injured earlier. I know Campbell's been banged up, Marlon Humphrey's been injured, Jimmy Smith's out and out of lap. It's just things haven't quite clicked. But I think over this past month, especially their running games coalesced. They're finally letting J.K. Dobbins carry the load. Mark Ingram is in game and he carries. Finally, yeah. bro, I was asking yeah. about this since like week eight. <laughs> Mark Andrews finally healthy. Remember, Mark Andrews was hurt a bit. Yep. And uh, Hollywood Brown, pretty consistent last couple of weeks, too. Yeah, I just, man, I want to see Hollywood Brown just get more tougher at the catch point. I, I know this is kind of a nerd thing to say. I don't think I've ever seen a receiver so dangerous, so explosive, not want to be physical. Like, if, if a defender's near him, I worry if he's going to catch the ball. It just, 
I want to see them improve that part of his game because Bro, it is like, very frustrating. He's like 5'7", 160 pounds. I know, but I want him at least... tiny. I know, I want him to at least make be somewhat physical. I just feel like whenever a corner is near him, like he just immediately falters. And it's just, yeah. I need you to make tougher guys, especially in that kind of offense. So, I don't know. I guess that's the one frustrating thing. But besides that, Baltimore's just been clicking. And I think it's just exciting. I think football's always better when the Ravens are good because I, it's just something about the Ravens, this aura about them, it's just intensity. Like you just know if they're on their game, it's gonna be entertaining, and you know the opposition. It's gonna be a lot of pain. But then again, the opposition has Derrick Henry and AJ Brown. Yeah. Well, dude, I think we gotta show some love to Corey Davis. Oh, dude definitely. had a monster year. He'll be getting love in March. Uh, come that payday, probably not from the Titans, but yeah. Yeah. It's well, it's it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with him because. Is someone going to pay him to be the number one wide receiver? Because I know he got drafted in the first round and he was the fifth pick overall. Yeah. But I think his calling is to be this guy opposite an alpha like AJ we'll Brown. See. It depends on the market is because as true. we all know, you know, like Alan, Alan Robinson, Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith Schuster. We'll yeah. see if Tampa franchises Godwin. So it, it's a crazy market. We'll see what determines it. But in this matchup, though, I, I just I'm just so excited by both offenses because I think even though Tennessee is kind of a position where they kind of want to uh, duplicate what they did from last year because you want to run the ball at Derrick Henry. You don't want Tannehill to play from behind. And it's just, I think their defense has regressed to the point where you want their defense to be off the field as much as possible. But then again, Tennessee has more firepower this year. So it's going to be really interesting to see how Arthur Smith runs, uh, puts this game plan together because it's okay. We're a ball control offense, but they have so many explosiveness on the outside. It's like, what can we do? Bro, I just remembered... The Butler and Harbaugh incident. Oh. We got that, too. Remember Vrabel and Harbaugh? Like, fair, there's some animosity in this game, there bro. Is, I love to it. To be fair, Malcolm Butler should worry about covering receivers because he's been getting torched a oh, lot yeah, lately. Brandon Cooks, Devontae How Adams. crazy is it that he's going to live off that one play forever? Yeah, but then he got benched in that Super Bowl. Healthy yeah. scratch. <laughs> that never made sense to me. Holy shit. That is crazy. <laughs> to be fair, that whole Tennessee defense, outside of like Byron and maybe Jeffrey Simmons, like that defense has really been bad. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it's it's worse than last year. And very ball, as good as he is, he can't really make up for it. And I don't know. I think that's like the big concern. Even though both teams could score a lot, it's just, you know, the Ravens, they could bring pressure. They have the corners on the outside. You just trust their defense to make more plays. While well. with Tennessee, it's like, you know, they're last in the league in sacks for a reason. I think they have, what, 17 sacks on the year? Lowest total ever for a playoff team. And they're not necessarily stopping the run well either. And you got Baltimore where they run the read option. It's just, oof. First quarterback to throw 23 attempts loses. It feels like both of these teams don't want their quarterbacks throwing much. Right, but, like, <clears throat> Lamar could do damage against this Titans defense. Yeah. Yeah, he like, I, I, I don't think this is a there. nice yeah. yo. So this is a really good matchup if you're a Ravens fan or a Ravens backer. To yeah. the the Ravens offense, especially the passing, is probably the one that you would say is the most questionable. Couldn't have a better matchup. Mm-hmm. So if there was ever a game to, I don't want to say get right at this point of the season, but if there was ever a game to jumpstart. Lamar getting a win or having a good matchup to build off of heading into the playoff, going further into the playoffs. It's like 
going up against the Titans defense, yeah. I think, is exactly that. Because because you want to tell a jump start. You played the Jaguars <clears throat> and Bengals recently. You want to tell a jump start, but play the Giants also. Which well, the Giants you know, defense? Giants yeah, defense yeah. is good, but when they're starting on the forty yard line every time, <laughs> then it doesn't matter how good your right. defense is. But no, this is a really good matchup for him. I'm just curious of obviously they're in the I just both teams. You want to talk about you know using it to your advantage? You know when it comes to running read option like because you saw with Tennessee past few weeks with Tannehill like two big plays like the one big play they had against the Packers on Sunday night came to that. You just see how much defenses just respect Derrick Henry. It's like we cannot let Derrick Henry beat us, and they get torched by it. Because Arthur Smith, he just the timing that he does it. And then you just see Tannehill scooting freely into the end zone. Tannehill's a great athlete. So, you know, the dual threat when it comes to both quarterbacks is definitely keeping an eye on You obviously know Lamar's resume. But, you know, Tannehill, I still think people kind of sleep on his athletic ability. Tannehill can move. Yeah, I mean, every broadcast, you you hear them say how he was a wide receiver in college. <laughs> but I think it's also, like, really impressive that you yeah. get. Dude, like, how talented is that dude, man, to go from wide receiver to then being a really good – I mean, yo. He, you I, are a Tannehill guy. Yeah. Always, I like Tannehill. Yeah. I've always liked Tannehill. I like Tannehill. I'm not like, crazy. Like, yo, look, him. not everyone's going to be fucking Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes. Like, it's that's just not. That's an Elkin way of putting it. Yeah, he's like, you're not. But I don't want you to be fucking uh, Brooks Bollinger. Like, right, I want you to be right. – you know, I've dropped some gems. On you could say right Billy Volick. Billy Volick. Nah, dude, Billy Volick was like the GOAT backup. Yo, Joey in my phone is Billy Volick. Because in our flag football team, he would always be our backup quarterback. Billy Volick. So, yo, dude, the, the year that I tore my ACL, he came in to like play quarterback after. And we got down to like the last play of the game. They had a chance to win it. And it was Man. like a semifinal game in the playoffs. So I was like, bro, you're Billy Volick. You almost had us. Yeah. But if you want to talk about matchups, though, I For, former Titan. Yeah, still. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm not. I'm not gonna mention Kyle Bowler or anything. <laughs> but uh, I am curious about how much Marcus Pierce could cover AJ Brown. Marcus Pierce is kind of had a down year, and you know he gambles a lot. I'm just. I'm worried if Marcus Pierce has to tackle AJ Brown, he might go like. Flying. Why don't you just throw Humphrey on him? Yeah, well, that's what you would hope for. <laughs> it's just Marcus Pierce is like arguably the worst tackling corner in the league, and you want to talk about after a catch? Like I don't think there's anyone more devastating than AJ Brown after a catch. So that could be another match. There's just there's so many there's so many intangibles about this game. I think it's just most exciting game, especially offensively, because I think both offenses could easily score thirty. It's just a matter of uh, if Tennessee is playing from behind, and you see Baltimore getting really creative. Because Don Martindale, there's a reason why you know I know everyone's talking about Arthur Smith as a coach candidate. I think Don Martindale could get hired as well. I think he's one of the best defensive minds out there. So you know he could dial up a couple of blitzes and Tannehill could get forced into something. So. It's, you, it's sign. Who are you picking? I gotta go Ravens. Yeah, oh, man, I'm so I'm so conflicted on this one. It's the toughest one, but I'm just I've been watching Titans defense. I'm really concerned. So about you think them. it's the Titans defense? I'll let them down. And I just think Baltimore's defense it just takes one turnover. And as much as I like Tannehill, you could get forced into it. Yo, they also have a bad motherfucker kicking for them. I That's think true. Tucker is and. You saw Titans, no Goskowski, yeah. kicker, the doink, barely got yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. At this time of year, especially, that's not an issue with the Rams. Like, even if the Rams are good, like, they have issues on special teams. Like, if you, like there's only seven reliable kickers in the league. Yeah. 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 And they, they have the most reliable kicker, probably. Right. Right. So, as much as I love the Titans, it's just the lack of pass rush, corners again, torched. Damn, bro. Why'd you wear the hat then? It's going to be done after Look, this. Look, I'm week. being objective. <laughs> and I, hey, I'm worried this week so I can do there it. There you go. Because yeah, I got nothing after this, man. The Vikings. Ah, oh, the Vikings couldn't have been <laughs> Don't the worry, I have nothing after every week 11 for the last three years now. <laughs> 
Well, that's some team that I just dumped my money in. Right. So, uh, I look, I think this could be the best game of the week, but I'm, I'm Ryan Baltimore. Man, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. Tennessee's beat them twice in the past calendar year. I'm going to go with the Ravens also. Yeah. I think revenge and just. Listen, man, if, if you're a Lamar fan, you want this. This needs to be that 250 yards passing, three touchdowns, one on the ground, mm-hmm. kind of just like. Yeah. And he does his dance. Right. And, and they, everyone remembers. If they win, like you get Kansas City and that matchup you won last year, albeit it'll be an arrow at this time compared to, you know, mm-hmm. last year could have been Baltimore. But uh, that Ravens Chiefs game everyone won last year, we could get this year. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, the most, I think, this isn't more lopsided than Tampa Bay Washington. I think Tampa Bay Washington is more lopsided. Yo, why do I have a gut feeling the Bears could pull this off? A couple of breeze turnovers. Eddie Jackson just randomly gets Enzo like he I tends just to think, do. I just think it all depends on whether or not we get Kamara and if Michael Thomas is in there as well. Because I think that team is completely different with those two guys. I mean, look, I just mentioned two all pros, right? Like, I'm not really. I'm not really talking about jobbers here. Right. We're talking about two of arguably the best players at their position. Right. And especially what they mean to their team and what they mean to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, target market share, it's like over 50% of the targets go to those two guys. And I might even be selling them short. I feel like the Saints defense is starting to come along. Is that fair to say? They have been coming along. I would yeah. say for at least the last two months. They've been playing like a top five unit. And this is an ideal matchup for them because i think what they would want to do is probably just yo david montgomery the fun stops now like this is where we're just gonna make trubisky beat us and if he does listen i tip my cap to you (laughs) but i think that's their approach i think they try to turn it into a shootout and have trubisky have to play from behind that's the case then if you turn trubisky into a drop back passer it's kind of a wrap because he's like you watch that Green Bay game, like outside of like the deep shot to Mo- uh, Darnell Mooney off the bootleg to the left. Ironically, Trubisky did make a nice throw off his left. I couldn't believe it. 2021 already, crazy things are happening. <laughs> but besides that, like he was throwing passes five, seven yards. Like there was nothing downfield. And you could just tell Nagy when it came to playing against a legitimate team. You know, talk about the best team in the NFC. Like they were just playing scared. And that's why this whole quote-unquote Trubisky resurgence is laughable because you look at the teams he's played against. Minnesota, which you know, Mike Zimmer said the best, is the worst defense ever coached. Pretty clear. Uh, then he did what? Detroit, Jacksonville, Houston, like some of the worst defensive units in the league. This is where he's been put up numbers. You go play Green Bay in what could have been a must-win scenario. You know, I know Arizona lost, which they still got in. But you know, Chicago was in a position where, like, okay, we need to win. And the offense... Like Allen Robinson didn't get a catch till the third quarter. We're talking about Allen Robinson here. It's just I don't go ahead. And I do think David Montgomery is becoming a legitimately good running back. I'm still surprised by that, but like he's been he's been putting up some serious numbers and he breaks a lot of tackles. I'll give him his due. And if they're gonna win, he's gotta kinda be at the forefront. Him and Robinson gotta be putting up numbers. So besides that, like if they don't run the ball, it's going to be a problem because New Orleans will put up points. I, I know there's issues, but look, you trust Sean Payton. He'll scheme something up. Taysom Hill will make up with free plays. Manuel Sanders is starting to get in the flow. You never know when Jared Cook could pop up for a big game. Did you did you know the incentive-based? I did. Bro, he celebrated I love that him, man. Catch. How can you not love Manuel Sanders, man? Yo, 
one of the more underappreciated and underrated wide receivers of our era. I He's really great. Think. Just so consistent, bro. Yeah. Like was never if he was your number one or two wide receiver on your fantasy team, you're like, yuck. But if he was your number three or flex option, you're like, you know, he's the inspiration to our no tight end. Damn. So remember Charles Clay on the Bills? Yeah. yeah. Remember that one year? I know more from Miami, but yeah. There was that one year where like Charles Clay was like the tight end nine. And the the debate came up with like most of random names. Yo, yo, so we called it the Charles Clay like factor. And yeah. Manny Sanders was the example because my buddy Danny right. was like, yo, um we can't have tight ends. Like we shouldn't play with tight ends. And then our 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 buddy Gaetano and Vinny, they're mm-hmm. they're the older kids from our neighborhood mm-hmm. and they play with no tight end for years. And like, yo, you gotta do no tight end. Right. And Danny was like, yo, we should do no tight end because why the fuck do I got to play Charles Clay when I have Manny Sanders on my bench? Like, I want to play Manny Sanders. He's with Denver at the time, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, Peyton Manning is still there and shit. So you're saying to yourself, like, yo, I have the option to play Peyton Manning's number two wide receiver over a bullshit-ass tight end? Like, mm-hmm. and then the next year, no yeah. tight end. So Manny Sanders and Charles oh, Clay, the infamous two players yeah. for no Another tight end. Another thing I want to know about Manny Sanders is that even though he made a Super Bowl last year, I think he had like what two targets in those two games because you remember San Francisco was just running over. Oh, Minnesota. Jimmy G, the, uh, Jimmy G, and Brian <laughs> Ryan Tannehill had like I think forty two combined attempts in those games up until the the, the Super Bowl. Like that Green Bay game was just complete wreck. Like Sanders barely got targeted, and you assume in this playoffs, maybe not so much this week, but they take care of business in Chicago if they play, say like a Seattle, he's gonna get targeted quite a bit. So at least he'll play an active role in the mm. game plan, which you know I'm excited for him. But I don't know, like I just think this is. Obviously, like you said, it's a pretty lopsided game. The only way I could see Chicago winning is if they capitalize on a couple like Aaron Drew Brees passes, which is certainly possible. Brees, because Brees still feels like he's 32 and he can make some downfield throws when I think it's pretty clear. Like, you know, if you're, if you're like, asking Brees to throw more than 20 yards, it's going to be a lame duck in the air. There's a lot of reports that this is his last year. Obviously. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, it was like Payne Manning in 2015. Like, you're watching. You, you kind of like, knew. He's, he's, knew yeah. he's a shell of himself. Yeah. And, and those guys don't want to go out like that where there has beens. Right, like you want to go out. Like at they're least barely functioning shield. right now. Like, like Breeze, like he just cannot push the ball downfield, and he's fortunate that he has a coach in Sean Payton that could scheme up, you know, so many high percentage plays for him. Yo, what about Saints Bucks NFC title game? Jameis Winston starts against Tampa. Jamo, it'd be Taysom Hill. <laughs> nah, bro, you, for the for the culture, you gotta go with Winston. Sean Payne is giving no damn. <laughs> but, but yeah. yo, I uh, man, I guess I can tell your interest in the game is very minimal. It's it's minimal, but I'm um, I'm very I'm I'm like skeptical of the Saints because I'm worried about those two guys being in there. But like, how can Chicago really cause damage? Because Armstead, Ramchek are the best tackles in the league, at least duo wise. Like I, like as good as Khalil Mack is, he's been a little quiet this year. Robert Quinn's kind of been a bust. So yeah. if you're if you're the Bears, I just don't know where the Bears could cause damage. If if you're the Bears, you're you're literally going into this game the way Minnesota did last year, and you want to ground the pound with David Montgomery, yeah. and you want to put in maybe if you're the Bears. What about this for a game plan? You you let shit open deep downfield, and you entice Drew Brees to think he can make those throws well like, i would assume of, you want to sort of like you want to crowd the box in general just because the threat of kamara if he's playing 
right, like, right. Those dump offs to him, like, wh- like you want to have eight men in the box there because, it's like, dude, I'll never forget that throw to Ted Ginn last year against yeah. the Vikings, where Ginn was like fifteen yards open <laughs> and he underthrew him, and it's like, yo, Drew Brees six months earlier probably makes that throw, right? And it's just, I just think if you're if you're Chicago, you're looking at a division opponent last year that went in there and they beat them, yeah. and you just try to copy that mold. And yeah. I know you don't have Dalvin Cook, and it's a lot easier said. And you don't have Diggs and Thielen, but you do have an Allen Robinson. I like Mooney more than most, but I just think that's the mold that you would go into this game I, with. I think if you want to compare it to Vikings from last year, that's my biggest concern. Obviously, Montgomery's nowhere near the player that Cook is, but I think coaching's big here because you got to look at Stefanski and Gary Kubiak were running that offense. And I'm not a Matt Nagy guy at all. Like I know he's somewhat high regard across the league, but I just think Minnesota has such a great coaching staff last year when that was a big reason behind why they upset New Orleans because they completely uh, to me they outplayed him why is he so highly regarded across the league it comes from Andy Reid's coaching tree is it because that first year was so good it really wasn't like they ranked like 20th in offensive I know but they went 12 and 4 I think they won eleven five, but I get what you mean. Yeah. Right, right. But well, I think their offense they like, won their division. Yeah, though, yeah, the, yeah. They're there, uh, but like their offense was like twentieth in DVOA. I think everyone remembers that team for being the best defense in the league. What Vic Fangio did, like people still joke around to the state that Vic Fangio should get like part of that Coach of the Year award. Bears twelve and four in two thousand eighteen. So stand if you want to send the Venmo over this way, I stand, cor- I stand corrected. <laughs> no, but dude, think about it, right? Like, why is it that Matt Nagy's so highly respected? I get he's a disciple of Andy Reid, but it's like, is his first impression so great that? I guess he's kind of like a clever play caller. Like he, he's kind of someone that you know they use a lot of motion. Maybe his X and O's is a, yeah. Like, that's why oh, they kind of okay, like him for that. Fair. But I don't know. Some of his situational management is very concerning, but. I just it's hard to see much. I do want to point out though, interesting tidbit: revenge game. Jimmy Graham, Akeem Hicks too. Wow, and I, I think Akeem Akeem Hicks is probably the bigger threat here. So you, you keep that in mind. Jimmy Graham, will he do his little dance if he gets the end zone? Damn, he's definitely gonna dunk. He do his dunk. You think he can still get up there? Yeah, I just I just wonder if he'll get more than like three targets. Yeah, <laughs> they also run like four different tight ends on True that team. True, Colt Komet. Um, okay, so what do you what do you think? You're going with the Saints comfortably or close? What do you think? They will win decisively. Okay. Look, I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the Saints as well. Um, I think it's the second biggest blow of the week. It's a, it's a nine point spread. I would just be careful. I talk about it on the betting pod. I would just it's one of those games where I'm getting some trap vibes in it. Where it seems like it should be a route, and I'm just just pursue with caution. And we've got to see what's this health status, right? Yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah. That's why you know, like everything changes. If like, and also, dude, that's something that we should just mention across the board. Like, people are popping up positive left and right, just more and more. So next game we're talking about, yeah, prime example. But you know, look, if if Ty Montgomery's got to play, Sean Payton will make it work. Okay, last but not least, the COVID Bowl. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, let's not use that. I mean, dude, have two teams been struck worse than, than them two? Oh, Ravens. Yeah. All the same division. What's good with the North, bro? I don't know. What's good that's with a, the that's North? That's a good question. We're the North. They, t- they took Joe no- Joe Burrow from us. They did, yeah. Who did he get hurt against? Uh, Redskins. Wasn't Chase Young that put the hit on him? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yo, he got blitzed on that one play. Tom Brady, we coming for you, the quote Booker yeah, T. Yeah, oh, easy Booker. Take it easy, buddy. <laughs> but uh, Booker T in the Bad Bunny video. Oh, God, he's <laughs> Oh, man. 
Can you dig it, sucker? Okay, let's get back into this because if we start talking about wrestling, it might be a four-hour podcast. Okay, so Steelers, Browns, um, just played last week. Obviously, completely different circumstances. No Big Ben. A couple players sat, yada, yada. Now, they're going into Heinz Field, 12-4 and Steelers, 11-5 and Browns. I've been trolling Danny, who's a big Steeler fan. I'm like, yo, it's a wrap. I don't like how Pittsburgh's coming into the playoffs. To me, I think they're the biggest mystery right now in the playoffs. I have all 14 teams. Real quick, I think that's a perfect description of them. They're the enigma right now. Okay, we know what they're going to get defensively. Defensively, they're as good as it gets. Right. But offensively, just the way they've looked, even though they still, like, I love their skill position players. Like, I just love what they have there. It's just, can they get the ball to them? Because that Cincinnati Monday night game, top three worst games this year. I That game was just a complete abomination. It that, was hard to watch. That's probably my... So what I like to do after after the football season ends, like yeah. a little bit after, I like to take a break maybe a week mm-hmm. or two from like just completely just clearing out my mind from NFL stuff, all NFL shit. Mm-hmm. And I look back at the schedule and I, I look for the five games, Alan, the like WTF games. Like, yeah. How did this team beat this team, right? And that's definitely going to be in the five just off the bat. Because at the time, Pittsburgh still had a chance Mm -hmm. at at a bye week and Mm -hmm. shit like that. And just 14-point favorite Monday night football, just like massive, massive egg to not even Joe Burrow. Like if you lost to Joe Burrow, you're like, all right, man, you know, Joe Burrow's uh, uh, the next guy up and everyone likes him. But to to lose like that. And like Tyler Boy got injured in the first drive I think. yeah they lost their best player on offense yeah. and Mixon wasn't playing no mixing yeah. yeah and the defense has been comical so, like, all year. that that since that game was huge they could say i was like okay this team's in crisis mode right now and i know they came back into colts you know it was a decent win uh but it's just you look at the past five games it's been ugly and i just don't know how you could trust that offense right now yeah it's it's hard to man it's hard to um i i think so, I want to talk a little bit more about the Browns here. This is. Do you think who do you think there's more pressure on? Is it Cleveland coming into this the first playoff game in 18 years? Is it is it Pittsburgh? At one point you were undefeated and now you're you're one in four since I'm, that loss. I'm pretty certain it's Pittsburgh just because mm-hmm. it's their first playoff parent since Borles went wild on them. Think about it. they haven't made the playoffs. Really? They've made the playoffs the last two years. That's right. So it was the the A B fiasco where he didn't play Week 17. And then last year was obviously Mason the, Rudolph. The, the Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. Holy shit. And Bortles I just I just feel like, up. man, and this is probably, if not his last year, at some point Big Ben's going to be done soon. So I just think, yeah, it has to be, all the pressure has to be on Pittsburgh. I think Cleveland's like, okay, we're finally here. You know, we're building something special. And given what's going on with COVID right now, like their, their head coach looks like might not even be there. You know, Joel Petonio's now getting his COVID and, you know, they're going to have other assistant coaches not there. It's just, it's very concerning what's going on over there. And I just, I just don't think you can put so much pressure on Cleveland just because they're still growing. And, you know, I think that offense is far from a finished product. Like, I'm still very concerned, like, how Baker's going to look against that Pittsburgh defense fully loaded. Yeah. And he got exposed when they played earlier this year in, in Pittsburgh. Like, they really dominated him. So I think the, the, description of describing the Steelers as mysterious I think is perfect I wish I would have came up with that so hats off to you because that's exactly it like this team I think can go to the AFC title game 
I remember in the beginning of the year, I said that the Steelers were my dark horse to be able to dethrone the Kansas City Chiefs. But now it's and halfway through the year, you're saying to yourself, like, oh, I could see it. And then on the flip side, you're also saying to play devil's advocate. At least that's what I was saying was that they're not really beating anyone good. They're not really they had the impressive win against Cleveland, which now that win looks a lot better than it did back in the day. And they beat Baltimore on the road. It, was a, it, was, it was a rainy game, but still. Right, right, right. Yeah. So they have no running game, too. That's very concerning. And especially a team like Pittsburgh who wants to do that. They don't want Ben throwing the ball 50 times a game, despite how many weapons he has and all that. Even though he's well-rested, too, but still. Right, yeah, you don't want that. Now, that, that could be something, too, man. Like, Ben hasn't played in a, in, in a little bit. Maybe he comes out guns blazing, and he's just. And look, Cleveland's got some. They got some threats up front. Mm-hmm. We know, we all know about Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon's having a solid year. I think uh, Sean Richardson has flashed quite a bit. They got my guy Adrian Claiborne. Like, they got some buys up front now. Grant, that secondary is a bit of a wreck. Denzel Ward, I think, is questionable. I think he's still recovering from COVID. But at least up front, though, Cleveland, they know they could bring pressure. And Pittsburgh's offense line isn't the same as it's been from past years. So that's one thing that you have to keep in mind. Even though I think Pittsburgh's kind of structured offense now, where Pitt. Ben's getting the ball a lot quicker because I don't think Ben. I think they realize Ben can't push the ball downfield. It's not like we're Drew Brees where it's a total liability, but I don't think Ben can really throw it as deep anymore. So it's a matter of okay, we'll get out quick out to Juju or we'll hit Deontay Johnson quickly. You know, maybe we'll take a, a shot with Chase Claypool or maybe James Washington. But I think for the most part, they're running a lot more shorter to intermediate play designs. Yeah, it's you know they there's just a lot of weapons on the field for. Pittsburgh, and I'm curious to see what Ben is going to look like. On the flip side, I want to talk a little bit more about Cleveland. Man, Nick Chubb is, but besides Derrick Henry, is he the most valuable running back to his team in the playoffs right now, if you're looking at the landscape of it? Or would you say Jonathan Taylor? Not necessarily the best, but just what they mean to their team and what they want to do. No, I'll, I'll go Chubb because – they're a run first offense, and mm-hmm. as good as Kareem Hunt is, I think Nick Chubb he just he brings that physicality. He's someone that can run between the tackles. He's someone that I think yards after contact outside of maybe Cook and Henry. There isn't. I don't think when it comes to running back, like, I don't think more, a running back has gained more yards after contact than say Nick Chubb. Like mm-hmm. he is a handful to bring down. So no, I think he's extremely valuable, and he's someone that you, know, you want him to get twenty touches because that means Baker. Because I think if Cleveland's gonna win. You don't want Baker Mayfield throwing more than 35 times. I was going to say 40, but even that's kind of pushing. I think you need Baker to kind of be a game manager. In this 28 game. to 35 attempts yeah. around there. No, I agree with you, man. I, I think Nick Chubb is – dude's had a hell of a run, hell of a story. I'm, I'm excited for him to get paid one day. He definitely deserves it. He can stay healthy still. It's It, it starts and ends with him, I think, in Cleveland. So – not I think, I just know like from watching right, them, it's yeah. just everything revolves around him. And even the weeks that he wasn't there, it was very obvious that, yeah, Kareem Hunt is dope. He's a dope backup. And I remember people, to, to validate taking him in the fifth, sixth round in yearly leagues, the, the logic behind that was because you wanted him, in the event that Nick Chubb goes down, he gets inserted. He's a top five mm-hmm. running back every single week. But that wasn't the case. And I think that just showed people that like, Nick Chubb means a lot to this offense for what they do. Right. So I'm fascinated by this one, man. I, I really am. I think this one, this game is probably, I like that it's a Sunday night game. 
I like because you have the animosity between these two teams, the division matchup it's here. Cool to see Browns get the spotlight. <clears throat> Browns get the spotlight yeah. for sure. And I think with this one here, I'm going to say that the Browns pull the upset. Wow. Yeah. I do not like what I've seen with Pittsburgh. Me either. <laughs> they can't run the ball. I, I think their defense, I don't want to say exposed, but I do think there's some holes in that defense, man. They've, they've lost some pieces and... You know, some guys had gotten COVID and then coming back and just it just weird and wacky. So, man, I think I think Cleveland pulls the upset. I think Pittsburgh defense gives it just enough. That front's still there. I think John Heisman's player to watch out for. He's replaced Bud Dupree and he's been bringing a lot of pressure between him and that we all know what TJ Watt could do. But then between Cameron Hayward, Stephon Tuitt, they still got some forces up front. And I still am not convinced at all by Baker Mayfield. And if they turn him kind of like with Trubisky, you know, if golf was healthy, I'd say the same thing. If you turn these young quarterbacks into pure dropback passers, they will start to crumble. And I think Baker Mayfield falls right into that category. And it's just knowing what Pittsburgh could do, especially up front. And if they could just prevent Baker from getting comfortable on those blue legs, like they, I think Cleveland's run most play action in the league. Like you just see Baker's a lot more comfortable going to his left. Or just be on the move in general. I think that was the case with Kirk Cousins last year too. Yeah. Mr. Fancy, right? Very, very their, similar. Their, their offense is built the same. I mean, and, well, it's and look, fancy, if it yeah. if it works, it works. It's just I'm not obviously Cleveland without Beckham. They don't have that real explosive threat downfield, and it's just I think Pittsburgh what they have up front will force enough turnovers. And even though I'm not convinced by Rossburg at all, it just takes a few shot plays and guys like Claypool and Johnson they could provide that. So I think Pittsburgh has enough talent where. They could ride this out even though they're kind of one-dimensional offensively and you just don't know where you're going to get from Ben. I'm going to ride on their defense and skill position players to pull this out. All right. That's I our like one it. difference. That's our one difference, yeah. Okay. Besides that, I think it's like just like how the games are going to go is the only difference. Right. I'm very fascinated. You made me even more fascinated about Seattle, LA. Now, I swear, if this game's over by second quarter, I'm never going to hear the end of this. <laughs> I'm definitely texting you like, asshole. That's <laughs> yeah, you, you, you believe in a quarterback that has a LinkedIn account. He's like some accountant. I'm like, Bro, what about his LinkedIn account? It says professional athlete. That's tremendous. Hey, man. So good. Good for him, though. I like it. I'm yeah. big on LinkedIn now, too. That's 2021 listening to Gary Vee all the time. <laughs> Uh, all right, Alan. Um, yo, how about this? Let's, uh, let's end with this one. Um, who who do you have going to the Super Bowl? I got to go with the generic choice. The two bye weeks? Chiefs, Packers. I I really wanted to pick Seattle, but it's just, I don't think they have enough defensively, and it's just, I need rusted. I just, they haven't been clicking enough for me right now. And it's just, how can you watch, like, the way Green Bay's playing right now, like, Matt LaFleur, like, obviously, Rodgers is amazing. And, Ams is definitively the best receiver in the league, and you know what they're doing—the red zone special. Dude, you know what I was thinking oh. about yesterday? He scored 18 touchdowns this year. <laughs> the record is 22. You, Randy Moss. Yeah, if he, he missed two and a half games. He could have easily got it, bro. Like he was dropping multi-touchdown yeah. games like every week. I just, yeah, like I said, even though Green Bay, you look at the receivers. Okay, it's not filled with star talent outside of Adams. It's just. I think Matt Lafleur. He's not getting hey, Matt Lafleur is not getting enough credit yeah, for his yeah. coaching job right You're now. Right. You're so right. that's we, we talked about him a couple weeks ago, and just yeah. the whole idea of those guys from Jay Gruden, mm-hmm. that staff, Shanahan, uh, McVeigh, McVay, Lafleur. That second year seems to be the year that those quarterbacks all just right. take off. Like all of them. Go back to your boy Matt Ryan, right. Jared Goff, 
uh, Kirk Cousins, um, Rodgers this year. Garoppolo to an extent. Garoppolo, yeah. So I think he's done an exceptional coaching job. I know Rodgers gets all the plaudits, but that's why I'm really liking what Green Bay is right now. Uh, Rodgers playing MVP level. Adams is doing his thing. And then defense is really coming on. But, like, you watch that Chicago game, like, especially those touchdowns, those are scheme-oriented. They just figured out what the weaknesses in Chicago's defense are, and they pinpointed it. You know, big big man Tunyon in the back of the end zone. Yeah, how how much better would Rodgers' numbers be if MVS didn't drop some of the passes he did this year? He's dropped at least four, right? Four, like, 70-yard like, bombs, is he, is he, like, the, this decade's Ted Ginn? He might be, dude. It's just so crazy. He gets – like, you're talking about – He's basically fielding punts back there. And this asshole's just dropping passes. Man. And it's just like, oh. Green Bay, you could just sign Robbie Anderson. This would have been a lot more. Could've. This would have been slightly more enjoyable. It's very enjoyable right now. Everyone's loving the Aaron Rodgers revenge Think, tour. What about what about just like drafting like a Claypool? Yeah, you could right, sign Yeah, I mean, Robbie Anderson was the one. Or, or trade for like, dude, Curtis Samuel. You know the Panthers had three wide receivers in standard uh, – PPR for well PPR not standard in PPR formats they had three top twenty five wide receivers. This I year. think all of them went over a thousand. Yeah, yeah. And then you look at Mike Davis total yards over a thousand. Yeah. Yes. And Christian McCaffrey was everywhere but the field this year. That's why Joe Brady might, probably gonna get a coaching job. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah, I'm going Green Bay, Kansas City. I know it's basic, but I just think both offenses are too good right now. I've been saying Green Bay, Kansas City since like week six. I don't want to change it. I'm not going to change it. The only other difference I could say. What about this for a storyline? Bucks, Bills. Brady just sticks it to Buffalo one last time. <laughs> is it? It would be hilarious, but like, is that? I don't feel like that's much of a rivalry because it was so one-sided. It's it's not, but if you're if you're Buffalo, you finally win the division because that Brady guy's get, oh. not there. And then you get to the Super Bowl, and guess who's there? Man. That guy. I, I just think they would be on cloud nine if they beat Kansas City. Like that would just be crazy in itself. Like Buffalo I think Buffalo's gonna burn down Saturday if they beat the Colts. Damn, one playoff, <laughs> just one playoff game. <laughs> one playoff. Dude, a kid on my floor my freshman year. I was in Buffalo State when. Remember Leotis McKelvin. Oh, yeah. The punt, he was like the kick returner. He was like returner. a top 10 pick. Bro, <clears throat> they were playing Monday Night Football. I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe it was like the first primetime Bills game at home mm-hmm. in like a decade, since the 90s. Doug Flutie era. And they blew like a 13-point lead with like two and a half minutes left. And he fumbled the kick return and then Brady. A kid on my floor, this kid Sean, threw his TV out the window, second floor window, Threw it out. He had to write a five-page paper why that was a violation to health, uh, safety, and um, safe, like safety precautions. Some bullshit that yeah. the the RDs are asking it's, him to this do. Is only Bills Mafia. <clears throat> Bills Mafia, yeah. baby. It's just like I, on Sunday, uh, a fan stormed the field during the Bucks Falcons game. I'm like only in Florida could someone storm the field during a pandemic. Yeah. Like come on. Different world down there. Alan, this was fun. This was a pleasure. I really enjoyed this one. Where can they find you if they want to contact you? Alan underscore Sturk. That's A-double-L-E-N underscore S-T-R-K. All right. Before we talk a little college football and the national championship game with my girl, Jesse, I got to tell you guys a little bit about Blue Wire Hustle. Blue Wire Hustle is a new program where you can be a host of your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or 
If you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And this is the best part. Guys, it really is the best part. You can get all this for $15 a month. It's the same rate as you would get on any other hosting site, the initial setup fee that they would charge you. So when I was uploading the show back in the day, it would cost this much. And we didn't have access to top podcasters. We didn't have a community discord. There was no tips and tricks. You kind of just learned on the fly. So you're getting everything sort of, I don't want to say handed to you, but they're, they're giving you a layup over here with this one. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into this program is limited. So get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. All right. Joining me now. My girl, Jesse from Pigskins and Pageantry, an SEC podcast. You've been on the show before. You're one of the nicest people to me that I've met on the internet, which I know sounds weird, but you know, it's 2021 <laughs> and you know, you develop some homies on the internet. So Jesse, welcome to the mm-hmm. show again. Thank you. I know. I think you and I met in like 2015 on Twitter. I'm pretty sure it was. It was. It was several years ago. This is this has been ongoing. Yeah, yeah, and we you, you're always showing love. You're like really like nice, and uh, uh, there's no other way to put it. And I appreciate it. Like I'm a, I'm a <laughs> sucker for people that are just genuine. And you're you're my source when it comes to like SEC stuff. Uh, I tune into your show with Wes and Matt. Shouts to them also every now and then. Whenever there's like a big game or something, just because it's the same. I, I sort of treat it very similarly to like baseball for me, right? Mm-hmm. Where like, you know, I, I don't consume all the baseball content out there, but I'll pop in like every two, three weeks. I'll watch my baseball tonight. I'll listen to a podcast strictly on baseball just to be caught up so I can be yep. able to have a conversation. So for me, when it comes to SEC football, why not come to you? Absolutely. We love having you on the show. You're the man that knows all the betting um, I'm pretty sure you help Wes out when it comes to guessing what the scores are going to be because he just looks at the Vegas line now and that's how he makes his prediction. So I don't know if I'm totally okay with you helping him with that and educating him on that, but it's fine. Listen, that's my, uh, the, the, that's the one thing that makes me very, very unique is my sports betting. Uh, I think it's my strongest suit. And also uh, I'm going to have to hit up Wes and ask for like 10%. I don't even, you know, just. You need to. There's money up for grabs. Whoever has the most predictions correct throughout the season gets money on the podcast. So if I don't win, you're paying me. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right. So I'll try to, uh, maybe I'll send you some picks on the side so we can get you to win that. Um, there we go. Right. So if you guys are watching this part of the episode, uh, you'll notice Jesse's shirt. Um, if you 
go to her social media. She'll let you know that she is <laughs> down with the tide. Roll tide. Roll tide. <laughs> uh, yo, when I hit you up, I, I was trying to remember what you said and you had me laughing and I was like, this, I was like, this girl, the nerve to say our that conversation they, was, I know that? how it started. I responded to a tweet and it was about, um, franchise tags. And I was talking about how the Broncos should have franchise tag Brock Osweiler. Wow. That's what it was. And then it started from there. And then it says, you know, on my Twitter, on all of my social media that I went to Bama. I used to work for Bama as a reporter. And I think you just immediately were like, what is it like to be in the SEC? And I'm like, come on, I'll teach you everything you need to know. <laughs> yeah, you have, you have, you've put me on crazy, but this, even this, though uh, you pull for LSU, which still hurts me. Listen, I've become pretty cool with uh, Deion Jones now with the Falcons. So like, it's even more like I, I'm, I can't be convinced. I apologize. I hope this don't ruin our friendship. I'll let it slide. Just All right, cool, one. cool. But dude, <laughs> uh, when, I, when I hit you up about coming on the show, you know, Alabama, they're playing Ohio State. Everyone's going to be tuned into that one. And you said something and I was like, this girl, man, the nerve to say this. You were like... Uh, you said something along the lines like, oh, I'm so happy they're back in the national championship. And I was yep. like, dude, they're in the national championship like every year. Not last year. <laughs> Not last year. I know we get so spoiled as Alabama fans. Um, and I think people look at us, you know, look down on us to a certain extent. I've been a Bama fan my entire life. My whole family is from there. Um, like I said, I went to school there. And when I was there, I got spoiled with, three national championships out of the five years I was there. So yes, super, super spoiled. But we have what we call in our show, the Saban effect, where it's either perfection or we are just absolutely miserable and disappointed. It's very interesting to watch a game with Bama fans because the entire game, if it's not perfect, we're like, well, we should have done this. We should have done this. Um, we just can't handle anything less than perfect. I think that's a great thing because our football program is so successful because of that. But at the same time, we do get a little neurotic. So I admit we are crazy. I apologize if you've ever been um, personally victimized by a Bama fan. You know, it's, it's, it's funny you mentioned the thing about perfection. I was watching a game. It, it was when Tua was there mm -hmm. and I was watching it with my pops and my dad is you get along with my father because he's like we should bet alabama every week he's like yeah. these guys they win by 60 points or he's like we should just bet i'm like why anytime he'll see the point spread after the fact he'll call me and be like oh my god they're giving away free money what are we doing <laughs> you know so we're watching a game and and uh, i just remember that they were playing in alabama this game and you guys are up 40, 50 points and Nick Saban <laughs> runs onto the field and calls timeout and like pulled uh, maybe the whole offensive line he pulled or he pulled and my dad was saying this guy's crazy. I was like, yo, he's a perfectionist. And then yeah. I showed him the the Belichick and Saban documentary too. Incredible. Mine. Yeah. Yeah. So like what is is it just Alabama that's like that? Or is that the whole South culture in the SEC? I think it's getting more to be the South culture. If you look a few years back, you'll see 
if you made it to a bowl game, if you had a winning season, people were cool with it. Um, I don't think we saw as much of the coaching carousel as we've seen since Nick Saban kind of hit the scene with the Crimson Tide in 2007. Now, mind you, he got there in 07, wins his first natty with Bama two years later in 09, which is insane to turn a program around like that. I mean, we were a losing program against or under Coach Mike Shula. So he came in, he turns everything around. Most people can't do that. Most people don't do that. It's unrealistic to have those expectations. And now you bring in a coach and after two seasons, if they haven't gotten you into the top 10, the college football playoff, people are starting to call for their heads. I think you're seeing it right now. Um, you know, you're starting to see it in Tennessee with Coach Pruitt, who has only been there a couple seasons. You're starting to see it in other universities. Look at uh, Auburn, who just fired Gus Malzahn, who won a national championship there. But people just can't handle the fact that their programs aren't, you know, flipping over the coin right away. And like I said, it's the Saban effect. It's something that is so unique to him. And not that other coaches aren't perfectionists, they are. But I think the fans are starting to feed into that a little bit more than we used to see. It's so weird that you get punished for not beating Alabama when Alabama beats everybody. Yeah, I mean, like you see everyone's like, we want Bama. I mean, you even see like professional teams joke around and do that. By the way, don't ever do that because anyone that does that loses. Like it's a curse. Don't do it. But yeah, it's it's interesting. Everybody... Alabama has now become the standard, which I'm not saying that to sound like a dick and, and sound super cocky. They've just become the standard. I mean, you have. Yeah. Like you can't look at that resume and it, it, it's always weird, right? Like you always come off as biased when you talk about your team. So yeah, it's just it's just always going to be the case, right? Like I, I if I say anything bad about Ezekiel Elliott, um, I'm a homer. I'm a Giants fan, you yep. know? But if I say anything good about the Giants, it's like, oh, you're biased and whatnot. Meanwhile, I said they were going to go five and eleven this year. They went six and ten, so I wasn't off by much. You know what I mean? So it's just, uh, it's just weird. I, I love the safety that the Giants drafted from Bama McKinney. Uh, mm-hmm. Xavier McKinney, oh, he's yeah. so great. They didn't. He didn't. He didn't play much this year. He played like the last maybe two, three games, and. But that's the thing uh, too. Anybody that is talking <laughs> about you know, Bama or, or, you know, our program, if you're a player and you want to go to the NFL, Bama's a really great school to do that. I mean, look at the NFL, look at how many successful players went to Alabama. Don't look at quarterbacks. If you are looking to go to the NFL and are going to Bama, but any other position, pretty damn good. Okay. Love it. Love that you mentioned that because it's been something that I've been super passionate about for years now that if I was an NFL scout or an NFL coach GM front office guy I would always if I had two prospects Jesse that are I'm conflicted on I have a kid from Alabama Michigan Ohio State and he's a quarterback and then I have a dude who's from like North Dakota Wyoming Illinois, man, there's something that's going to make me gravitate to that prospect because he don't have 
Devontae Smith and Julio Jones and Amari Cooper and, and Derrick mm -hmm. Henry in the backfield or Jarvis Landry and Odell. Like you look, it's it's weird. Some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now are not from your national title college football playoff final four teams, right? Like nope. Russell Wilson went to NC State and Wisconsin. Mahomes is from Texas Tech. Kyler Murray yeah. is from Oklahoma, which Mm -hmm. Some people feel like that, you know, the big the Big 12 is a video game conference, right? That's still yeah. the stigma attached. And then <clears throat> you look at guys like Drew Brees was from Purdue. You look at dudes My like Philip Rivers, NC State, like Matt Ryan, Boston College. The list goes on and on. And yeah, yeah. there's a there's exceptions, right? Like Matthew Stafford went to Georgia and he had studs on his team, too. Like, right. I'm not saying that all guys are bad from those schools, but. How, how do you feel about that stance? Do you agree with it? Do you think there's something to it as far as when you come from a power five school like your school, Alabama, like Ohio State, Dwayne Haskins, another example. Like, yeah, you had yep. Terry McLaurin. You had these dudes that go into the NFL and they're NFL talents, J.K. Dobbins in the backfield. But is it the guys around you that made you that hot prospect or is it you? I think it's a mixture of both. I agree. If I had somebody from Michigan, Alabama, Ohio State, you know, Clemson, whoever, and then I had the guy that went to like Wyoming and BYU and North Dakota, I'm going to look at them because you're right. They don't have the arsenal that these power five schools have. They, if you're looking at them, it's because they have to be pretty damn good. They don't have the running backs to hand the ball off to the wide receivers, the tight ends, the offensive line that can give you enough time to make those proper decisions. So I agree. I think it's changing a little bit, not only in the SEC, but in the Big Ten, in the ACC. You're starting to see these programs that relied so heavily on defense and needed game managers as a quarterback who could just hand it to a star running back and just let him go. Um, you're starting to see them really start to throw the ball they're scoring more offensively. They're giving up more yards on defense than they were in the past. So I think we're starting to see that shift. And I'm interested to see if that impacts the quarterbacks going into the NFL and how they're drafted, how successful they are in the NFL. But as of right now, I, I would agree. I'm picking the North Dakota guy. So in, in this matchup between Jones and Fields, there's I don't know exactly what Jones is. Uh-oh, someone's nervous. <laughs> I'm so nervous. I don't like playing them. The last time we played them, we lost. I don't like playing them. Oh, I'll tell you at the end of the show what my wager has been. So I don't. I know what up. the stat line is, like <laughs> I or the betting line. Yeah, so I don't want to tell you where my money's gonna be put to because I don't want to fuck this conversation up. <laughs> I'm nervous now. I know where it is. Okay, I'm so, so disappointed in you. <laughs> so, so Jones, Jones and Fields, right? You guys uh, have a significant disadvantage at quarterback. Fields is, I mean, man, what he did against Clemson is was wild. Their disadvantage isn't even at quarterback. I, I trust Mac Jones at quarterback. I would say our disadvantage comes from the fact that Ohio State has played half as many games as we have. We have dealt with much more attrition than they have. They're much fresher. They have literally played half the games we have. Um, and if you look at their schedule, a little lighter, not going to go up against their talent. Their talent is fantastic. But just coming from a freshness perspective, 
we've had to deal with more injuries and uh, and more attrition, like I said, than than they have. I think that's where the disadvantage is for us. Wow. That yeah, you're right. They're they've only played seven games to your twelve. Um, yeah. So yeah, you know, I didn't think about that. That's a good point. I mean, Especially, that's why people didn't want them in the playoff in the first place. If anybody that listens to our show, you'll hear us really argue that going into, um, you know, the selection show, they had played six games, one of which was a conference championship, whereas we'd gone and everybody else in the SEC had played 10 games. The ACC had played 10 games. So it was hard for us as, you know, and I think Coach Brian Kelly of, of Notre Dame said it best, it's hard for the committee who has not had to deal with managing a team during a pandemic to say, oh, well, the number of games doesn't matter. It does though. If you're a coach and you're having to watch your players, you're having to make sure they're behaving, they're practicing, they're well on the field, they're well when it comes to the pandemic, you have to watch yourself, you have to take into consideration all these new stresses in your program that you previously didn't have to, and you still play a full schedule and someone doesn't, that's really frustrating to a coach, to a program. Um, and I, I mean, you saw it, Dabo Sweeney commented on Ohio State. Uh, like I said, Brian Kelly has. People are, are really frustrated. The, uh, it, it makes sense. It makes sense why, right? Like your, your resume and sort of just the number of games. Like you've seen awards get dictated because guys didn't play one game in the NFL regular season. And like now everyone is saying, I mean, I thought Rogers is going to be the MVP anyway. My, my buddy Taryn and I, we spent like 20 minutes talking about this like six weeks ago, how we thought Rogers, his resume was just better with the talent around him being, you know, significantly less than what <clears throat> Mahomes had. But also it's just crazy that that one game makes a difference here. You're talking about five, six game difference. And that's a, yep. I, I think that's a really good point that you're bringing up as far as, the amount of games, but I also think like to play devil's advocate a little bit. It's weird when you have conference commissioners and people like that dictating who can play and who can't. So it's not like Ohio state didn't want to play. They just were dealt this hand that they couldn't. They, but they, they also almost without that conference championship, they wouldn't have had the minimum six games to get into the playoff. Which is interesting. I think, personally, I think the whole thing in the beginning was mismanaged. I think the conferences should have gotten together and said, all right, if one of us wants to play, if all of us want to play, we need to agree right now. We're all going to start at this time. We're going to make the minimum games for everybody this, and we're only going to play eight or whatever it is. Everyone needed to agree. And I think when each individual conference decided on their own, that's where we started to get some mismanagement and some unfairness. Um, or what we could have done is we could have expanded the playoff, could have made it eight teams. So you get someone like a Cincinnati who's not in a power five conference, but still went undefeated mm -hmm. into the conversation. You get someone like Texas A&M whose only loss is to the number one team, Alabama, and they beat Florida and they still got kicked out of the playoff. They didn't make it. Um, you expand to eight teams, it becomes much more fair. You get all the conferences covered. You make more money. 
everybody's happier and you're truly able to see who's the best of the best. Because right now with the way the playoff is structured with only four teams, if you're not in a power five conference, you're not making it in. And that's not really fair. You look at, like I said, Cincinnati who went undefeated. You look a couple years back at uh, UCF who also went undefeated and then went on to a bowl game to beat Auburn who's in a power five. They didn't get a chance. So I think the committee needs to really look at this and think about the fact that opening it up to eight teams would be beneficial. Hmm. I don't know if I agree with that. I feel like eventually when you add more teams to things, you kind of oversaturate your, the, the, the exclusiveness to being one of those programs or teams to make it into the final four, right? Like you've seen it in yeah. college basketball. They'll add like, <clears throat> when there'll be outrage about like the 65th team on the bubble, like dude, for, yeah. what, for you to get pummeled by the one seed, like it, or, it's or also in- great experience, right? For those, those smaller programs, they finally get a chance to play those juggernauts. Um, and that's great experience for them. That's great money for their programs. I don't know. I just think, I think the benefits just outweigh any criticism in my opinion, uh, when it comes to college. I mean, like, you mentioned basketball. Everybody gets in. Mm. Everybody loves it. It's a month-long thing. Everybody's in it. Um, and you get to see some of those programs that you would never normally see on a national stage. Yeah, I hear what you're saying about the the exposure to it, too. And it's just such a bigger deal. I think it's just completely different with football and basketball, right? Like, So you it's do fair. have that where I don't know about eight, but I think six would have been cool where you give the top six two cool. seeds a bye. Right. Like you've, yeah. you've earned that at least. And then you, you just go from there and, and you play those games out. But I want to I want to go back to the national championship game. Yeah. Smith, the wide receiver. You have <laughs> you've uh, you've seen a lot of stallion wide receivers. Um, mm-hmm. from where, when were you at Bama? I started at Bama in August of 2011 and finished in August of 16. So I stayed. Julio had just left, right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get to see Julio in person. I did get to see Amari Cooper though. And that's uh, who I think Devontae reminds me of a lot when it comes to personality. So I kind of mentioned it at the top of the show, but I got to do post game and sideline reporting when I was at Bama. So I covered, 13 out of the 25 NCAA sports football being one of them Um, got to do sideline, got to do press conferences, got to do pro days. And Amari Cooper is one of the guys, you know, that I got to interview and he is so talented. I think we see that, you know, now in the NFL too, so talented, but has this really great quiet confidence. You know, he's not that loud guy in the locker room. He's definitely a leader, but it's more, from his work ethic and what mm. he does and how he is on the field. And that's how I feel like Devonte is. If you watch the Heisman, you saw how quiet he is and um, how reserved and how he's, he's pretty humble. I mean, he just won a Heisman and he barely talked about himself the whole time, which was pretty amazing. Yeah. I saw a, a post about some teacher, his professor that wanted to, did you see that? Mm-hmm. His one of his professors, her dream was well. Tell tell you and I mean, f- fuck. Why am I speaking about this? You would know better. <laughs> like, what's that tradition where 
a player, a student athlete invites a professor to, to Brian Denny, right? Isn't that what? Yeah. I get to go to Brian Denny and, um, get to watch from the <laughs> sidelines. And he, he had one of his professors that he thought, you know, impacted his life and was really good in the student part of him being a student athlete and got her tickets there. And, um, and not only that, but I personally have a friend that I went to school with that his, his aunt, you know, out of Birmingham is huge Alabama fan and she was really sick and in the hospital and Devonte Smith, she was a huge fan and he went and saw her in the hospital. Like he's just delightful. You know, I think Nick Saban said it best on the Heisman when he was like, he is truly an ambassador of our program as a person, as an athlete. He's the kind of person that you want people to look up to. Um, and I think that's great. I think that's who a Heisman should be. It shouldn't just be what you do on the field. It should be you know, how you are as a person off the field too. So I was really thankful he won it. I almost cried. <laughs> I mean, dude, to be a, to be a non quarterback, <laughs> to win it, especially a wide receiver, you've seen running mm -hmm. backs win it. And it makes sense like the running back, because, you know, he gets the ball handed off the quarterback doesn't really, his, his success isn't really determined by the quarterback where like the wide receiver, yeah. I always talk about this, how I feel as if it's the most unique position in all of professional sports, uh, team mm -hmm. sports. Uh, per se, because you're the first one to break the huddle. You're the furthest away from the ball. My success is solely dependent on the quarterback getting me the ball. And then it's also yeah. dependent on the offensive lineman to block for him to get me the ball. So I always yeah. back the wide receiver, Jesse, who's like, man, I need the rock. I got to get paid. I got a contract. I got to honor these bonuses. Yeah. Like you saw in week 17, <clears throat> Emmanuel Sanders needed eight catches for a half a million dollar bonus. He catches uh, his eighth pass and is celebrating on the floor. It's like, yeah, bro, I just made half a million dollars. Yeah. Like, I'd be celebrating too. So, and Devontae is not the biggest. He's not the strongest. Yeah. He's super skinny. Everyone was like, you're not going to go anywhere. You're not big enough. <clears throat> and now he's a Heisman winner. How do you think, uh, how do you think he translates to the next level? Cause he's a projected top 10 pick, maybe even higher. Yeah. Um, I think he translates well. I think, I think a lot of people, if you're not a quarterback, unfortunately, and you go to a school like Bama, you have a coach like Nick Saban, who, you know, was an NFL coach. He can coach you up like a player in the NFL. <laughs> you have that work ethic um, because it's like we were talking about at the top. He expects perfection. You're not going to go into a coaching situation where it's harder. I mean, he's best friends with Bill Belichick. <laughs> That's how he runs his program. So I think he's going to translate well. I think his talent is there. He's so fast. His hands are just perfect. He just finds a way to catch the ball. Um, he can beat any any defender. It's it's insane to watch him. I just want to know who he's going to go to because it's like you just mentioned. It's going to depend on what quarterback he gets paired up with. It's going to be huge for him. Uh, but I do think he's a top 10 draft pick. I think, you know, Obviously, winning the Heisman has made him go a little bit higher, but it's really interesting. He wasn't our number one wide receiver going into the season. It was Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle was our number one guy, and he gets hurt early on, and now Devontae steps up, and he's 100% a top 10 draft pick now. Damn, maybe a reunion with his boy Tua or what? <sighs> That'd be would your heart would your heart be able to take a reunion like that? No, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it could. I mean... I look, you look at our wide receivers in the NFL right now. Julio Jones has been an incredible wide receiver. Not going to lie. I pick him first every year for fantasy. Judge me. I don't care. 
Um, listen, listen, hold on, hold on. Let me just tell you. I know you love Julio. I know you do. I have won and lost so much money because I play him every single week on DraftKings. So I am with (laughs) you on, I know I'm going to dump so much money on him every week. I'm like, I can't, I've never had him in fantasy. Because my heart would not be able to take it. I I wouldn't be able to, Jesse. It'd be too much. I always have him in fantasy. Um, I was (laughs) smart enough this year to pick up Josh Jacobs. Everyone in my four fantasy leagues, like, slept on Josh Jacobs, and I snatched him right up. Um, I I draft heavy on Bama. But, I mean, look at Amari Cooper, too. He's done exceedingly well in the NFL. So, I think if you look at our wide receivers, historically, we've done quite well. Obviously, our running backs have been kind of a mixed bag. Derrick Henry is a completely different human. You can't put him in the context of any other person. Yep. Mark yep. Ingram's done pretty well, but you look like Eddie Lacy. You look at Trent Richardson, not necessarily the careers that you wanted them to have, but still, you know, for the first couple of years did pretty well. So I'm confident and hopeful that Devontae will do exceedingly well. Jalen Waddle, I'm sure will go. Najee Harris is another one that I know will do super well to whoever picks him up. Mac Jones, I'm interested to see where he goes in the draft. I want to ask you about the other side of this matchup. Yeah, Ohio State. Outside of fields, what what scares you? What is it? What is it that makes you nervous? Because I can I can sense the panic in your your voice. I'm, like I said, I'm. Is it, I'm is it, is it more time. so? Is it more so the the idea that it's. Is it the team name that you're worried about or is it the players? I think it's a, a mixture of both. I think they have a really talented football team. I think, you know, obviously Fields is incredible. Um, like I said, they are a little fresher, which is great. Um, but I think what they have too, which is good for their team, is that they have so many voices telling them that they shouldn't be there. Right. Like they have so many people saying you don't deserve to be there. And I think that fuels people that just puts a fire into you. Um, but at the same time, I've seen on Twitter, I've seen, you know, some quotes from the coaches and players and they're already like, we want Bama. I want that Devonte Smith matchup. I can handle him. If you get overconfident, sometimes it's dangerous. But I do think people telling them that they shouldn't be there is a fire lit under them. That makes me nervous. I also just have PTSD from the last time we played them, and I just don't like it. <laughs> yeah, so right now, as it stands, it's an eight-point line. 54% of the money's coming in on Alabama. Mm-hmm. Well, 68% of the tickets are coming in on Ohio State. So basically... Is over-under got- still 75 and a half? Correct, yes. And... Okay. There's always uh, <clears throat> you're able to tell like where the money's coming in and like whether it's professional or public. So like the public is on Ohio State because anytime you see plus two fifty for uh, a team in the national championship, people are just gonna bet them blindly, just like oh the yeah. other dog, I'm in. But more of the professionals are on Alabama, so maybe that could help you out a little bit to just relieve you. People are also looking at because. Believe me, I have friends. I lived up in the Midwest for several years. I have friends that went to Ohio State. So the text messages have already started to flood in. Um, And I did have one friend today say, well, you guys let Ole Miss put up 48 points on you. Absolutely. 
We 100% did. However, I think we've made the adjustments, the necessary adjustments that caused some issues in the Ole Miss game. I think we're a lot better than we were then. Um, and one could also argue that since we have played more games together, our team is working as a unit. We've had more time to work out kinks. We've had more time to kind of gel together than somebody that's only played half our games. So it, it depends which way you want to look at it. I'm excited to see um, that corner that you guys have. Sir, uh, certain, certain. How, how do you oh, say certain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Patrick certain. Yeah. Go, going up against that speedster on Ohio State. It'll be interesting. I have a I have mixed feelings on him. Sometimes I'm just like he kills it. That's my boy. And then sometimes I'm like, what the hell? Where were you? It again. I can't watch this game in a public setting. I will be at my home, probably by myself. I can't. I can't be around other humans right now. Like. Mm -mm. Yeah, uh, well. <laughs> Olave might uh, have him dancing because that dude is a speedster. I know. I know. I This is going to be a good game, regardless of who wins. And obviously, I'll go into a deep, dark depression if Bama loses. But regardless of who wins. <laughs> I, I shouldn't be laughing, but I'm laughing because. You it's just, so true. But you've seen, you've seen so many national championships that there's probably someone at, at Michigan right now that's like, oh my God, I want to just strangle this woman. Oh, right everyone now. hates me. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> hates me. Um, totally. But also, like I mentioned, I was a fan when Auburn beat us six years in a row. The Fear the Thumb shirts were all in my face all the time. Like, I was there during the Shula days, so like, back off. <laughs> but yeah, I mean... Whoever wins, it's going to be an incredible game. It's going to be a very high-scoring game, I think. We're going to get to see some of the best athletes that will ever play college football. So I'm very excited. I'm very nervous. Uh, but it's going, to be a, it's going to be a good one. I think, I think we truly do have the two the best teams playing, and I'm excited to watch them. I agree with you. Um, I think this game is going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. I love that they've done this Monday night tradition after that first round of the playoffs, and you get like three meaningful days of football in a row. Uh, mm -hmm. I do hate, as someone who lives in the East Coast, that these Same. games go until like midnight. Eight o'clock. Oh, brutal, but it's going to be fun. I, unfortunately, am not going to make you happy with who I think wins. What What is your prediction? I, I know you picked Ohio State. I want to know why, and I want to know your score prediction. I think I'm a big quarterback gets a huge advantage for me. And I think Fields coming off the momentum now of like Urban Meyer might coach Jacksonville. And... There's rumblings, and I know someone that's at Ohio State, and they're telling me, like, yo, Urban Meyer loves Justin Fields. So do you have that dynamic, mm -hmm. right? But then again, I remember when Doug Marone was the coach of the Bills and Ryan Nassib was the quarterback at Syracuse, and they were together, and it was like, is he going to take him in the first round? He's like, no, he's not because he sucks. That's why I'm right. not going to take him. But <clears throat> look, I think Fields wants to – if Fields lights up Bama and can win this game, that narrative is going to change as far as 
not that Trevor Lawrence isn't going to be the first pick. I'm not going to get that crazy, but I think if you're a Jets fan, oh, you're you're rolling your eyes. What do you? No, I I don't know. I I'm I'm curious if Fields lights it up in the Natty, he could go before Lawrence. I wouldn't. It's it's become something that I it wouldn't surprise me because everyone thought Lawrence had the Heisman wrapped up, mm-hmm. and he didn't. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's just it's it, it's. I don't know. I think if Fields could light it up and ball out again, you know, he reminds me of Deshaun Watson a lot. Oh my God. Don't say that to a Bama fan. <laughs> oh my God. Don't say that to me. Like, Yo. Yeah. Hey, listen, I well. that, that, that year, Deshaun Watson and Hunter Renfro, I won a lot. I bet Clemson when I was in Vegas at eight to one odds. You know what else happened that year? That's similar to this year. What? Offensive coordinator. Steve Sarkeesian had just accepted a job somewhere else and was coaching. It was our offensive coordinator, his last game in our national championship. Do you want to know what just happened? Our offensive coordinator, Steve Sarkeesian just accepted another job somewhere else. And the national championship will be the last game he coaches with us. Guys, Ohio I am State unwell. Is, Ohio state is plus two fifty. She said it, not me. <laughs> I did not say that. I am just, I am. I am pleading with Steve Sarkeesian to not make the dumb coaching calls that he made against Clemson before he went to the Falcons in this game before he goes to Texas. I can't handle it. I think I think the the QB advantage, it's something that when it comes to the playoffs, like in the NFL, one thing that uh, helps me and one thing I just gravitate to is I always just take the better quarterback. And obviously it's all perception, right. who you think is better than who, but like this weekend, Seattle Rams, my buddy Allen, we spent, uh, they heard it because I've already recorded with Allen the the, mm-hmm. the show that this is going to be pieced on. So everyone has heard this already, but I I can't see that game being competitive without golf and like Russell Wilson right. in Seattle. Like, dude, come on. I, I think it's going to be a snooze fest. I think so. Fields to okay. Jones, like I think it's a huge gap. So ultimately that's the deciding factor for me. And okay. I think it's going to be something along the lines of like 38, 35. See, I have, I have the predict. I'm pretty sure that's the exact prediction. I no, I made 38, 31 was my prediction on the show, but I had it Bama 38, 31. Oh, shocker. You picked Bama. I will never pick against them. <sighs> it, I mean, you. it doesn't matter. I, I can't pick against Nick Saban. I refuse to do it. I won't do it. Our Lord and Savior. I won't do it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Monday night. I'm excited for this one. Um, if it goes awry, you have to just text and check on me. Make sure I'm okay. <laughs> well, I don't know because the I texted you that one time after uh, LSU won. And you were like, "Oh, don't do this to me. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I was. That was a soul-crushing game. That was soul-crushing. But again, we lost to like arguably one of the best teams to have ever played college football it was like the perfect storm team. We lost to Joe Burrow and like, whatever. Okay, fine. Tell the people a little bit about your podcast, where they could find it. The yeah. floor is yours as we start to wind down here. Yeah. So um, like Nick said, I am a co-host on pigskins and pageantry. We're an sec football podcast. So You'll get to hear a lot more of me talking Bama, but luckily 
Uh, my co-hosts are Tennessee fans and Georgia fans, so you do get a little bit of a different perspective when it comes to the other schools in the conference. We obviously have different rivalries and different things important to us, so it's a fun time. We love talking about it. We always have an opinion segment, as you could just hear. I'm very big on my own, um, but we also do some just for fun segments that get a little silly and we just have a good time. It's just a couple friends, you know, talking SEC football. So if you want to follow us, we are on Instagram, we're on Twitter, um, and we're on YouTube now. So you can catch us and actually watch us film the show together, which is really fun. And also, if you want to follow us individually, um, I am at Jesse Lee Russell on Instagram. So you can uh, find the show that way as well. Jesse, you're fantastic and awesome. And I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. And... You know, uh, I'm not going to say Roll Tide, but it was a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you. And Roll Tide, I hope you lose money this this coming Monday. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Wishing bad on my pockets. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Guys, uh, as we wrap up here, big ups to the members of the Patreon. Nick Chavez, Christopher Velasquez, Daniel Gibson, Derek Pleates, Devin Rendon, Jake Powers, Corey Johnson Hoops, Ryan Pisner, and Mike Wozniak. I am sending out merch for you guys starting next week. Those names that I mentioned here, if you have been a member of the Patreon for the last six months, you're getting the merch item because of your tier. Starting as of like the last week and change, one new wrinkle is if you're in the $20 or $40 tier, the franchise tag in Supermax for six months in a row. Every January and July, you'll get a free merch item on my behalf and the show's behalf. It's patreon.com slash veterans minimum to support the show at veterans minimum is where you can find everything for the show at the lame shows. You can find everything for me. Good luck this weekend. You degenerates and we'll catch you guys next time. Homie, go finish your mail. I'm coming for real. Taking that food right off of your grill. Nikki too ill. Can't let it drop on me spill. Clogging the lane. I'm feeling the strain. I'm here for the spot to be filled. Not to be cocky, but all of you watching while I'm in the cup paying property bills. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com